0: Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddies where we discuss any media that is too bizarre or normal or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp.
1: I'm Zach. I'm Ben. And I forgive you for stabbing me in the back. And that is 100% directed at you, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I actually... I have to ask why how Shrek made the list of abnormal off-kilter for contemporary audiences. <laughs>
1: thank, thank you for bringing that up, Ben. I, I have that question as well. I'm also concerned about why is Shrek even on? We could Zach, we could have done it came out in in uh, the same around the same time as Shrek. We could have done an episode on something called Beatrix Potter's The World of Peter Rabbit and Friends Colon The Tale of Mrs. Tiggy Winkle and Mr. Jeremy Fisher and other stories. How could you pick Shrek over that? I don't even know
0: what you said was a thing. I think you just strained words together. You're having a stroke live we, on recording.
1: We also could have done Moulin Rouge. Mul- the release date was close enough.
0: No, Rob. No, Rob. Shrek is, is a cornerstone of the four-year. Shrek Rob is not a Baz
1: Luhrmann his- movie, though.
0: Fair. Fair, <laughs> but I don't have a ticket stub for it. Remember, Rob, if I have a ticket stub for it, we I- have we explained the four-year to Ben? Because this is Ben's first appearance during the Fort Year. No, it's, he was on Memento,
1: and he was on well, Sugar okay. and Spice, where we started the Fort Year. Do you have <laughs> no, Memento I mean like disease? <laughs> yes, I have Guy Pierce disease.
0: <laughs> no, but this is actually the summer Fort Year, though. Like we're actually in the summer now. He, this was remember that was the like appetizer.
1: But <laughs> Ben is like, oh,
0: of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that
2: makes sense. I'm with you.
0: He's on. All right, Rob. I'm holding the Shrek ticket stub from June 2nd,
1: 2001. I I think we can all agree on something before we get into Shrek. I think there's something we can all agree on. That it is absolutely insane that Sylvain Chomet has lost three Academy Awards to Pixar. Isn't that crazy, guys? Let's talk about this for 50 minutes. (laughs) I don't know who that is. The, well, Ben, you, you should know who it is, because on the three-year extravaganza, I asked you, do you have any thoughts on the French fil- filmmaker Sylvain Chaumet? And your response was, what the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> <laughs> so you do know who this is. <laughs> I think I'm being really consistent here. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about how Sylvain Chaumet has lost three no, times Rob. to Pixar.
0: No, Rob. We have a talk about somebody once told me the world was going to roll me.
2: Zach, you're not a very sharp tool. No, I'm not. <laughs> but you are in the shed. That. You are in yeah. the shed. though. That, that's actually the one thing I do know about Zach is that he lives in the shed. I do live in a shed. All right. So what is this ticket sub business? How, how does this
0: relate to the fort year? Because most of the movies around the fort year revolve around me seeing the film 20 years ago. As we've been priming this, pretty much any film that has a ticket stub is included in the four-year. Except for Recess Schools Out, which I regret doing that, not doing that and doing Sugar and Spice instead. I apologize. Recess Schools Out was dope. I I know.
1: When I was 20 years ago, when I was 10... We are all now in agreement that we're aware that Zach is saying he picked the wrong movie with Sugar I and Spice. Did. I'm so – we did. should never have discussed that. <laughs>
0: Except for the fact that nobody remembers that film. I feel like I did some sort of cultural service to that film by bringing it back to the forefront. I feel I did too or, because in that episode I call it – yes,
1: exactly, Ben, because I call it abject trash in that episode. <laughs> all
0: right, Rob, which is more
1: abject trash, Sugar and Spice or Shrek. Oh, sugar, sugar, and sugar and spice—I would say. Really? So yeah.
0: you, so you think this is less trash?
1: Sh- Shrek would have been the second worst movie we've ever discussed, but I think it's number one is Doctor Sleep, number two is Sugar and Spice, number three is Shrek.
0: <laughs> I don't. I, I, okay, I'm glad you brought up Doctor Sleep because I definitely <laughs> want to connect that to Shrek. We
2: hold on. We, we need to discuss Mono's Hands of Fate. If those are the
1: three worst movies you guys have ever discussed. We yeah. have we have never covered Mono Fans of Fate, so we have to get to that one.
0: <laughs> I don't think it comes down to worse. I think these are films that are evil. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think sugar and spice is evil, Rob. Say what you will, I don't think that was a film made out
1: of malice. I don't know. Did you see that see that lead character's like line of sight? Like how she couldn't <laughs> look at the same that's pretty evil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god. All right, folks, but in all seriousness we're talking about Shrek. Um, we're not going to do a plot breakdown because clearly you've seen this movie at some point in your life, all right, Rob, go ahead. we Ben and I are helping you onto your soapbox. It's that high up off the ground.
1: This movie sucks. <laughs> this movie is so bad, and I want to get into why, but i I do want to bring up because I know I've mentioned it now for so long that i I incredibly incredibly dislike Shrek. This is not, like, a revisit. I have never liked Shrek. Like, even when I was younger, I was so against this movie. And it's just become this weird thing that as I've gone through life, you know, in college and stuff, other people love it. Other people want to watch it. I've ended up seeing this movie, like, six or seven times because people are like, let's watch it. And they, and they watch it, and it's like they die because they think it's so great, and they're laughing at it. And I'm like... There is nothing here. As Zach has said a long time ago, this is the equivalent of, like, eating the wrapper of a bag of potato chips. Like, there is literally no nutrition to it. And I'm, as I want to talk about, like, the jokes, in air quotes in this movie, are literally what people think of as now as family guy jokes. They just come down to, don't you know that this exists? Like, isn't it great that we know the dating game exists? There's no jokes in this movie. It's all vacuous and referential, and I don't understand why people hold it in so high regard. But I did a lot of research on why the internet loves this and why I'm gonna get doxxed and swatted for this. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get into that. But this this is this is terrible. This is the I think the one time in Cinemati's history I was I like had a difficult time sitting down and actually starting and watching this movie. Like I was so I was like, oh my god, I have to do this. <laughs>
2: Are, so, are we giving context? Are, are we going to discuss? By all means, yeah. Ben.
1: Yeah, my context is I've always hated it. <laughs> so I'm in a, in a much
2: stranger boat than Rob. Uh, I actually really liked this movie when I was a kid, when I was I don't know what ten, eleven, whenever it came out, and uh, and I I think I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters, and and I later in my early twenties I watched it and I and I enjoyed it. I don't I, I won't say that I like fell down laughing about it or anything, but I but I really enjoyed it, or at least I thought I did. Uh, and then I watched it <laughs> this time, and I don't, I don't know what there is to enjoy about it anymore. Like well, I, I think I,
1: we do know about you, Ben. If there's anything, the hallmark of your personality and sense of humor is that you love farts. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> right. so so I I don't know.
2: Maybe that changed for me at some point, and I and I hadn't watched Shrek in the in the interim. Um, maybe I got more disgusted with easy. Uh, you know, low-hanging fruit type of humor, and and that's why uh, I had a harder time watching Shrek this time. But I I, I, cu- I can't say that I liked it. I I can say it, it didn't make me want to kill myself. Like I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't like immediately like pull out the gun and do a murder suicide on me and my fiance. You know, like it wasn't it wasn't that bad. Um,
1: but it was definitely something I had to like sit through. You know. I definitely think you were unable to pull out the gun, as you said, Ben, because the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie is Shrek literally holding you down and repeatedly punching you in the face with the idea (laughs) that he is gross. Like, you are incapable of of moving because you are being beaten down into the face that Shrek is different and gross. Like, it is is a flurry of blows at the beginning of this movie.
2: (laughs) So my fiancé actually brought up something that was pretty interesting when we watched it. Are we certain that Shrek had a name before he told Donkey his name?
1: Oh, I, I've uh, I, I've read some theories about that because this movie is is uh, as we'll get into loved by the internet and loved by everybody on the internet. Um, there is a, like a theory about Shrek that he makes up his name in this movie. Okay, um, which which makes like no sense because this movie is loosely based on a book called Shrek, and the character's <laughs> name is Shrek, and so. I mean, if people, like, I was reading something, and it was like, there's, like, three seconds of pause when Donkey asks Shrek's name, and Shrek seems to think about it, so he might have made his name up, and I'm like... Man, I like you.
0: What's your name?
3: Uh, Shrek.
0: Shrek? Well, you know what I like about you, Shrek? You got that kind of, I don't care what
1: nobody thinks of me thing. I like that. I respect that, Shrek. You all right. I'm like, this movie is the opposite of intelligent or smart in any way, and I give it no credit that it would do that.
2: Uh, that well, and that's what my fiancé said. Is like he Because of that long pause, it seemed like he, he either like hadn't said his name in a long time and had to actually think about it or uh, made it up. And then, of course, the other option of just being disconcerted by the fact that Donkey asked his name.
1: My uh, my thought on that is uh, padding the runtime. They had to get the <sighs> ninety minutes, and they tried every damn way they could. They still, they've you know stole every few seconds that were possible. It seems.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, all
0: right. Zach, what's your context?
1: He loves it. This is his favorite movie ever. Uh, until oh he God. saw got, Pearl you, Harbor.
0: <laughs> you guys are gonna make me defend this film. That's why I feel like it's gonna happen now. It's like Wait. I. Like,
1: I are
2: you telling me this is like the the whole trump presidency where it's like i don't really like him that much but you guys are really wrong about your criticisms
0: (laughs) but the thing is like okay i remember like in 2001 that like i wasn't particularly too keen on this i remember my mother was really excited to see like not excited like my mother like occasionally to be a movie that would just be like oh like i want to see this and like it got her attention And I remember, like, oh, like, we saw it. I didn't really think much of it. I remember, like, getting the VHS as a kid, like, after seeing it in theaters. And it was, like, really unique because, like, I had this, like, unnecessary, like, extra, like, cardboard padding in the VHS. Which, like, to this day is inexplicable. But I guess I did just to make it, like, stand out, like, on, like, shelf at Walmart. But, like, I never thought that highly of this film. Like, I enjoyed it, like Ben said, as a kid. And then, like, the second one came out, I remember seeing that, like, in the summer of 2004, and being like, oh, this is, like, horrible, like, this is trash. <laughs> and then, like, the third one comes out, and, like, the entire plot is that, like, oh, Shreker and Fiona fucked. And I'm like, "Ooh, like, that's, like, a really icky kid's premise, like, oh, the main character's fucked. And I'm just like what then like the fourth one came out and my only memory of that is like i got a mcdonald's glass from it because like i love mcdonald's glasses and then like i couldn't even drink out of it because apparently like it has like carcinogens in like the paint they use on the like printing of it but like i still have it like as a display piece because i find it funny it's like oh it's the shrek cup that literally gives you cancer and we (laughs) will get into that when it comes to snacks I think I think Rob will love that as a snack. Um, yeah, I, uh, like, I'm
1: glad you bring that up because I, I was definitely looking at uh, food tie-ins for this movie, which there were plenty, which I, I did find some I want to get into. But I did read that apparently the McDonald's cups or glasses had lethal amounts of cadmium used in their production.
0: Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Exactly. It's great. Um, I mean, but yeah.
1: the art on the cups is pretty decent. Yeah. I, no, I still – I still have my donkey cup. It's great in a glass um, case. It has to get deradiated. <laughs>
0: pretty much, like, you bring the Geiger County to it, it starts going. Um, but no. So like, I never held these movies in high regard. I I said I I think the first one, prior to rewatching it for this viewing, had some level. I want that on record. Past tense had some charm, but. I I think that this film, once again, um, I think Rob and I have talked about it a few times on Cinematis, doing a series of films that, like, weren't the highest grossing movie the year they came out, but had, like, a huge level of influence on the industry and films for years to come. And Shrek is clearly an example of that. But no, like, like I showed the guys in the pre-show recording. I have two Shrek plushes. I have a donkey who doesn't talk anymore. And I have a Shrek that makes an awkward, like, like he just introduces himself, speaking of, like, names. I'm, like, I'm going to try to get on the recording. Hello there. My name's Shrek. I, I hope that can't. It I did, hope it that did. Can- that was good, yeah. Uh, all right, good. Because there's no hesitation there. I do not know what the donkey
1: plush says. Can I just say that that is, that might be, like, the greatest thing. Like, if I had a donkey plush from the Shrek movie, I would want nothing more than it for not. To talk, <laughs> I, I wanted nice. I wanted Donkey to shut the hell up in this movie so bad.
2: <laughs> I mean, I. In- that's like the whole premise is that Shrek wants Donkey to shut up.
1: I know, but he, he <laughs> never stopped, and I'm like, Eddie Murphy, your lines come off as bad improv that falls flat, and I don't like any of it. <laughs> donkey is also a horrendously designed character to look at. I could not stand looking at Donkey.
0: I, okay. I, okay, unpopular opinion. I think Donkey's the only redeemable aspect of the first film. In probably the second film.
1: Oh God! Oh God!
0: I think okay, okay. He is he annoying, but he at least has some of the better dialogue. Like, Sh- like think about it. you look at this film. All Shrek does is like every character in this movie whines. Every single character whines, and Donkey's at least doing something contrary to that.
1: I mean, for for the beginning of the movie until they have all our characters have a misunderstanding and get mad at each other, then everybody's whining.
0: But every even Fiona, all she does is whine. All Farquaad does is whine. Little like uh, magical creatures, all they do is whine. I mean, yeah, you're I mean, yeah, you're
1: not you're not wrong. And then Eddie Murphy is doing improv and ad living.
0: <laughs> I know, but at least it's something different. It's like a breath of fresh air.
1: I'm just like I, mean, like, I know where you're that's where coming I... from, Zach, but I I can't I can't get behind it. <laughs> no,
0: like I said, I'm not okay. I wanted on the record that like, as I was rewatching this and I kind of like looking back like 20 years ago, this film is like responsible for influencing the culture in ways that like I could have never predicted in 2001. Sure. Like pretty much the idea of this like shoving pop music into movies for no other reason than just. It's popular is there. The fact that this film is built on a foundation of its hatred for Disney, as I'm pretty sure Rob will get into with like Jeffrey Katzenberg and the whole like Disney DreamWorks thing. Is it like – no. Like I know like when we talked about Dr. Sleep like a year and a half ago, we were like, is there another film in Hollywood that was built on a foundation of like contempt and hatred for something else? Mm -hmm. And Shrek is that. Shrek was designed because of Jeffrey Katzenberg's sheer contempt and despisement of Disney and Michael Eisner. Like this film would not exist if it weren't for the fact that Jeffrey Katzenberg hated what Disney did to him.
1: See, I I read that and I'm very interested in that idea that that gave it a lot more context that I appreciate that, you know, it's been posited that this movie makes fun of Disney. The whole Michael Eisner is Lord Farquaad type of thing. My my only issue with that is that I don't get that from actually watching the movie i don't think the any of the disney characters like let's say like pinocchio for example that they reference in this movie there's nothing that's like directly making fun of them like there's no jokes at their expense it's literally just oh look at them in this movie so and then i think the michael eisner thing is so like inside baseball behind the curtain that most people aren't going to pick up on that but there's nothing that, like, makes fun of Cinderella. There's nothing that makes fun of Disney. It's just the fact that Disney is here.
0: Well, I think it, what it's supposed— Okay,
1: there, there's a lot to kind of,
0: like, unpack, so to speak, with of, of this sort of thing. Because, like, okay, there was a book written or published in 2005 called Disney War, and it goes through, like, pretty much, like, Michael Eisner's, like, history with the company, and it even goes a little bit, like, in the aftermath of when Eisner got ousted from Disney in, like, 2005, I want to say, or 2004, whatever it was. It's been a while since I read it. Um, And that's the thing is that, like, Jeffrey Katzenberg, like, initially worked for Paramount, where Eisner was, like, in charge and him and Eisner were basically worked very well together like they like they're behind like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Trek the Motion Picture, Flashdance, like some of the most like seminal like movies of the late 70s early 80s that came from like like Hollywood. And so like Eisner gets brought over to Disney in like the early to mid 80s and then Katzenberg basically follows suit. And Katzenberg is very responsible for the Disney Renaissance. You're pretty much your Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King. And then what happens, this goes back to Waking Sleeping Beauty, Rob, if you remember, is that Frank Wells, who was, like, the CFO of Disney, dies like in a helicopter crash, and, like, Katzenberg's like, okay, like, I have made you guys a cultural tour de force. I want to now be second in charge. And Eisner was so afraid of Katzenberg, he said, no, like, I am keeping you solely in charge of the animation studio. Yep. You don't get to do anything else. And Katzenberg becomes infuriated by this, and basically Eisner – again, there was a lawsuit that lasted years where it was like, oh, like, was Katzenberg fired? Did he leave? And he, like, essentially gets, like, some ridiculous, like, severance package. I think it's, like, almost, like, half a billion dollars. I could be wrong, but, like, it's some ridiculous amount of money. And so Katzenberg goes to Spielberg and David Geffen, the like music executive. It's like let's start our own animation like studio slash film production studio, and DreamWorks. And pretty much what Katzenberg does to spite Eisner and Disney is he basically rips off all their ideas and goes out of his way to beat them to the punch, whether it be ants. Whether it be like Monsters, um, like, like even this, like Monsters, Inc., mm-hmm. like uh, Prince of Egypt, no, no, uh, Road to El Dorado, competing to Emperor's New Groove. Like, Eisen, I'm sorry, Katzenberg knew the roadmap of what Disney was going to do for the next decade. And so his goal was to undermine them at pretty much every single turn possible. And Shrek was the biggest just like f- – forget about firing a shot like across the bow of Disney. It was firing it like, like into the side of it because if you look at this, it's basically lampooning the entire just like fairy tale animation thing and even to the point where like where they get to um, – oh god, what's it called? Far, uh, Dumont? Oh, they Duloc. Were essentially yeah, Duloc. Duloc, excuse me. Duloc – I was thinking of Tron, Dumont. <laughs> um, Duloc, where Duloc is essentially Disneyland.
1: That's the that's the one thing that I picked up on in the movie that you could see that as, you know, the um, whatever the little um welcome song of Duloc is very much like it's a small world and things like that. But I mean, when you say that this is like lampooning the Disney thing, my question is how? How is Pinocchio just being in this movie a lampooning? How is Cinderella being mentioned because... in the dating game a lampooning? It's just a reference.
0: But that's the thing though. Is like when you like if you ask your uh oh god, average movie goer when you think of Pinocchio, what do you think they think of? Roberto Benigni.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, right. You wish.
0: <laughs> they think of the Disney incarnation. When they think of Cinderella. What, yes. I guess the thing. Disney has become so ubiquitous with the fairy tale genre, especially when it comes to animation, that that's a thing. It was it, everything, whether it be Snow White, the Seven Dwarves, Cinderella, pretty much like almost everything is basically animation and fairy tales is Disney's brand. Especially in the early 2000s. And that's... And even, like, think about it, There's a part, like, even Shrek 2, I'm not sure anyone remembers, that, like, where we see, like, Shrek and Fiona on, like, their honeymoon. And the Little Mermaid starts... Like, they have, like, their From Here to Eternity moment where, like, Shrek and Fiona are, like, making out on the beach. And a wave hits them. And basically, like, the Little Mermaid starts making out with Shrek. And Fiona takes her, throws her into the ocean, and a bunch of sharks eat her. And that's the thing. Is that like this is meant to be a clear jab, very veiled, but like subconsciously
1: at Disney? Sure, that example with The Little Mermaid makes sense, but there's nothing like that in this movie. Like Pinocchio doesn't get there's no jab at Pinocchio there's no jab at Cinderella they're just existing in this in this universe.
0: Sure, but I think it's the idea that like just the fairy tale genre was seen like the animated fairy tale genre was seen as Disney's, and by just encroaching on that was to probably probably infuriated Michael Eisner, and then lampooning it was just bringing it to like the umpteenth degree.
1: I see. I see what you're saying, and maybe it was like a different time. It's an industry movie. In in, in 2001, it's it's a lot less. You know, I because I expected a lot more. uh, You know, sharp-edged and stuff like that. Now, in 2001, it could be different, sure.
0: But I think that's. I don't think it's just a time thing. I think this film was made very much as a like like a shot at Michael Eisner. I think it was done to kind of deliberately irritate him. Because basically, it's undermining the brand that he's a steward of. And on top of that, you make your protagonist—i'm your, sorry, your antagonist—a small person. Because, like, if you look at the like, oh god, I forget what context it was said, but apparently, Michael Eisner referred to Jeffrey Katzenberg and I quote as the little midget.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And I think the idea of making Lord Farquaan like someone of a very short stature was meant to throw that right back in Michael Eisen's face.
1: Sure, sure. I, I, I totally get what you're saying, and I read a lot about this, and I respect... I've, if that's, if it seems like it, what it was, of course, with Katzenberg and stuff like that. It seems like that's what this movie was going for, and I, I respect that, and I really find that interesting. My only problem is, if you just watch this movie without that context, I don't think you can gain or glean any of that from it. No, I agree. No, and that's I, I my problem think... with
0: it. Well, I think the issue is, like... it. It's like this film is meant to be lowest common denominator. Oh yeah. Like this like this is a glorified like epic movie. Like except it would be called animated movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess we have, uh, we have someone who can tell us right now. Ben, when you watched Shrek for this recording, did you think it was Jeffrey Katzenberg making fun of Michael Eisner? Did you think that?
0: <laughs> no, hold, 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 hold. Before, ben, before Ben
1: answers, I want to
0: refine that question.
1: Zach wants to send ben, him a nude to win him in his good graces. <laughs> well,
0: I, I did that before we even started recording. I did that. But, right. Ben, when you watched this movie, did you feel this film was taking shots at the Disney brand? No, no, you don't think not, this film was taking was taking not, shots? Not even like a little
2: bit. I had never, I had that had never even crossed my mind until you've discussed it just now. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. So I mean, there's like, I, 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 like Robin Hood, they they make him like a worse character, I guess. But like, I I thought it was just like fairy tale shit. Like, I didn't think it had anything to do with Disney. But I guess I also am aware that the intellectual property for those fairy tale movies that Disney made don't didn't originate with Disney. So I don't know if that makes me different than the average person or not.
0: I, I think it makes you a more informed individual, which is not the average going audience for <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's the thing, because, like, this film is essentially – it's just, like, it's it's a parody movie, and it's, it's, like, it's soundtracked to basically the pop hits of the late 90s, early 2000s.
3: Yeah,
0: and Hollywood. <laughs> Well, sure. But like, it's essentially like almost like a jukebox. At certain points while watching this, I'm like, oh, this is a jukebox musical. Because like some of this like like, references just come out of nowhere. And I think this film also is probably part of the reason why Family Guy found a resurgence a few years later.
1: Yes, yes, I would totally believe that. Because like I said, you know, the... I I really wanted something to, and I will, to be fair, there were things in this movie, not a lot, but there were things that made me laugh. I mean, there were certain things that I found enjoyable, like when Shrek shakes Fiona awake when she's, like, pretending to be asleep in her tower. I'm like, that's fun, you know? She expects, like, a kiss or something, and Shrek's like, get the fuck up, we're going, you know? And I'm like, that's fine, I'm okay with that. But the whole Magic Mirror thing... They're doing the dating game bit with Cinderella, uh, Snow White, and then Fiona. And there's no extra joke there. It's literally just don't you know the dating game exists? Uh, There is one extra
2: joke. Pick three, my lord. And he holds up two fingers. That's the joke.
1: That's the joke. <laughs> that, that is, okay. I, that technically, That's I guess, could joke, be Rob. considered That's a joke. The joke. But that is, no, that is nothing to do with the dating game.
0: <laughs> but, Rob, okay. But I want you to put yourself in the mindset, and this is the whole point of the four, <laughs> one of the many points of the four year, is that, like, in 2001, was there anything else doing this? I'm yeah, not saying it's right. I'm not saying objective. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just asking. Objectively speaking, was there anything else doing this?
1: Well, that, that I, I don't know, so I, I can't say for certain. Nothing comes to mind, I guess I should especially
0: say. On this, especially on this level, there was nothing else doing this.
1: Well, I mean, that's that's the thing where it this definitely makes me think of when when we did or when I did and Zach was not here, uh, the spoof movies from, you know, before the 2000s. Like, Ben, we did High Anxiety and High Anxiety was parodying Hitchcock films, but it was taking the thing and twisting it or playing with in a certain way that made it interesting. Like the parody of the the psycho shower scene where it's all set up with the dude's newspaper and the bellhop is like making the the violin noises with his mouth and stuff like that. So I, this whole movie made me think of parody movies from like 20 to 30 years earlier that were parodying things, but actually twisting them and making jokes about them where this was just referential around 2001 though. I mean, the closest thing we did to 2000 would have been don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood, which I think was still doing it better than this, but none of it was parodying fairy tales or anything like that, this specifically. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: But that's the thing though, is like, this is, this was a product made by some of the I think about it you look at like the whole point like, when you look at dreamworks skg the skg stands for spielberg Katzenberg, and geffen these were three of the titans of the entertainment industry in the 90s and this was a product by them to make something that would appeal to everybody all yes. those films you just mentioned i don't want to say they're niche but they are by no means as mainstream as this film was or intended to be
1: i would say the the one well the one that we did that's mainstream is Airplane, of course. But I think Airplane is. But sure, is but that's none. twenty
0: years, twenty years sure. earlier, like from a completely
1: different time. Sure, and that's also not. I don't think that that is parroting something specific with the like the nineteen fifties disaster movies. But most of the jokes in there are not really related to that. They're more just jokes that are that work almost independently. So I see what you're saying.
0: Sure, and I think that, like Shrek is one of those instances where like it wasn't. It's it's seen as good, not because it's objectively good, but because it was the first one to do something so well. Something so specific so well.
1: I, I agree I think, if it's doing something specific well, though, is, is definitely the. Uh, well,
0: not not by your not by yeah, your standard, yeah. In terms but by of what the its, own, by it's legacy that
1: this is left and things like that. Sure.
0: And I think that's the key. I think that's like like the film is clearly going for a very specific thing. And it's succeeding at what it at what it's intending to do. I,
1: I mean, yeah. If it's going for some type of you know, we have just fairy tale shared universe, and we're going to tell this this story that's uh, you know maybe a little subversive of it, then sure, it accomplishes it accomplishes that in a very vacuous way.
0: Exactly, exactly. That's but that's the thing though, is that like it's telling a very what's the word pedestrian story. Yes, the idea of a hero saving a princess up in a tower. But it's doing it in a way that's lampooning the genre. So, this is OG Guardians of the Galaxy. But
2: in, in terms of, like Rob mentioned, the the whole dating game thing. I, when I watched it, I definitely didn't think of the dating game bit as like a joke in and of itself. I definitely just thought of that as a way they were presenting information. Uh, but but as I kind of think, compare it to some of the stuff that happens later in the movie, I think the the mix, you know, the 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 undermining of the fairy tale world. I, I think what they're doing there is actually pulling something from real life into the fairy tale world to further undermine it or or be subversive. And and the thing that that makes me think that is later Donkey says something about uh, not having had time to install seatbelts on the dragon. Yeah, and that's something that's very real world and would not have existed in their in their universe. Whereas the dating game, like whatever, that could have existed in their universe, but it is pulled from the real world. So maybe that was like a less successful version of that same kind of a, a attempt at a joke or attempt at subversion more than a joke, I guess.
1: Sure, sure. I mean, maybe the uh, the other example of this, I think the most blatant and probably the worst thing about this movie or my least favorite thing is that Princess Fiona just recreates the Trinity fight from the first scene of the Matrix. Like, oh there is nothing to gain from that. It is literally just, don't you know that the Matrix happened?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's... Like I, I think the seatbelt version of it is so much better because it's just like, it's small, it doesn't take up too much time, and it's like this is a, just a real world item that exists that wouldn't be here, versus like, the Matrix or referencing referencing, different stories that exist. Like I don't know, they that just feels very different to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's you know it could be good fun. Like you hear the thing, Donkey's like, oh, I didn't have time to install seatbelts on the dragon. You, 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 anybody, like a but, little kid or anybody's like, why would a dragon have seatbelts? Aha, that's a little funny. You know, it's the same thing when Fiona like sings to the bird and that causes the bird to explode. And it's like, well, why would that make the bird explode? It doesn't matter. It's a little goofy thing. Sure. Well, I can, I understand where they're coming from there. The Matrix thing is literally just like, do you remember this megaton impactful movie that came out two years ago? Right. And it's like, yes, of course we do. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, so looking at it in the time that it was made, referencing something like the matrix that that's probably going to be more well-received then than it would be now.
1: Sure. I mean, it might be be like, you know, I, I'm sure there was some, I don't know how many people, it seems like everybody saw the matrix, but maybe if there were little kids and stuff like that, that didn't see the matrix and they see Shrek and then like, this is their first introduction to it or something. But I mean, now that with, with time passing, it's just like that, that's all we can know it as really. And it, it does, it you could, I mean, imagine the same scene where Fiona just beats up, you know, Monster Robin Hood and the rest of the Merry Men. It, it's the same thing. Like, the Matrix fight adds nothing to that story or anything like that. And it's not even, like, I, a
2: joke or anything. Yeah, I I do agree with that. They could have done a not-Matrix version of that fight, and it would have had the same effect now. Yeah, n- yeah. Back then, so, like, that's one thing is, like, humans actually do really like to recognize some things, like, we we actually, as much as we say we don't like spoilers, we actually kind of do, because we like to know what's going on, and we like to be able to, like, feel like we're in the know while we're watching a movie, and so, like, I guess it adds that element, where you get to be like, oh, like, I, I'm aware of what they're doing here, but um I don't know, I, I, I guess so far removed from the Matrix, it definitely doesn't played that way for me anymore.
1: Yeah. And no, and you're you're definitely right. The referential stuff, I mean, that's why it's so common. It's not like, I'm not saying like Shrek is the only thing to do it, but I, I definitely see it as like a very vacuous, like easy way to get like, you know, a, a, a praise for this movie. Be like, oh yeah, I know that, you know, like I'm sure like adults took their kids to see this and they were like, my kid's not going to know what the dating game was, but I know what that is. And it's like, oh, that that takes something that's could be inherently boring if they're just giving us exposition about how Farquaad has to like get one of these prince princesses it's taking something that could be inherently boring and being like oh i know this it's in a package that i'm used to so that yeah. that makes it go down easier
0: and i mean exactly i think i think you hit nail it on the head with there it's that, something that, that, I,
1: I know but that's what i hate about not just in this movie, anything that does that
0: I know, but that's just—I think about though. But when you're making a, a, you're not wrong. But just explaining it without condemning or condoning it, it just makes it more palatable.
1: Yes, yes.
0: That's why it was like. That's the thing so like it's palatable. So like, okay, if you're gonna tell that joke, if you give someone something familiar or at least some sort of framework they're like familiar with, it's gonna make the rest of the joke much easier to go down. Absolutely. It's like it's like sugarcoating a pill almost. <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah,
2: I agree with I agree with Zach and and you Rob on this. But the the thing I have to to kind of detract is it helps the delivery of the joke when there's a joke. Yes, and and as Rob has pointed out, there's no joke with the dating scene. There's no joke with the Matrix fight. Like it is definitely so. I guess that's kind of a, a distinguishing factor. Is like you can take something and reference it and put it put your own spin on it, which is like what high anxiety did. Or you can just reference something, and yeah, I, th- I think that that's Rob's problem, and I think I think he's convinced me, or or at least I I think I understand where he's coming from at the very least that like they didn't do anything extra, they just acknowledged that they that they knew something, and that's lazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I when I think about the Matrix scene, you know, there there is a, I feel like maybe in two thousand one, the thought in some back of somebody's head and, and in mind too is maybe that the joke is that Fiona is a woman and beats up men. That seems like a very 2001 type of joke, but, you know, that's still a very bad joke.
0: (laughs) I think there's also a very, like, like a Charlie's Angels thing to it. I think you also have Cameron Diaz. Yeah, it's Cameron Diaz, yeah. And if you remember from, like, the first Charlie's Angels, like, that entire, like, first fight sequence with Crispin Glover, that's pretty much all it is. It's, like, Matrix-level, like, just, like, like, like much more subdued, but it's also very Matrix-esque in its... Execution. Sure, sure. I mean, it's this, but
2: very, but very already been yeah done, right? Like, I mean, Trinity, the Trinity thing happened already. So, like, women beating up men wasn't brand new. To, yeah, to, definitely. You know, yep. Like, may, maybe not just that she's a woman, but that she's supposed to be like a dainty princess. Like, yeah, sure. there and and you know that does kind of come out of nowhere. You don't expect her to necessarily be a a, a fighter of of any kind.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I think I think it goes back to the thing I've always said a lot on this podcast. Like, like the Rocket Raccoon thing. Like, whoa, isn't this crazy? This raccoon's talking. It's like, oh, look, you have this like princess like trapped in the tower, but she's the one kicking butt. Isn't this crazy? And I think, like, and I think this is the point where I like kind of like elaborate on my thesis. But I think that like, much like how Doctor Sleep was like cultural cancer or cinematic cancer. I think this film is like cinematic AIDS or maybe it's cinematic (laughs) HIV because like it, like it established that notion. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. (laughs) Like it's the thing that leads us to things like the office guardians of the galaxy, this notion of, Oh wait, like this show takes place like in everyday office, but look at all the crazy shenanigans. This happens like in between, isn't this crazy? And I think that's the thing. Like this show was the like like first I, step into the? Isn't this crazy? Taking this thing you know and turning it on your head, and just that premise is meant to be like oh comedy, and it's like no, you need actual humor to make it funny. The situation isn't just funny.
2: I don't agree with your characterization of The Office. I don't. The think Office,
0: is- the Office is like like a combination of both cancer and AIDS at the same time. <laughs> like, like I, I, I said before the podcast.
2: I don't think that they relied on, like, isn't this crazy? I think it
1: was, like, wacky hijinks. Well, sure, six to one, half dozen the other. I mean, yeah, the first—everything the, from the beginning of The Office until uh, Steve Carell leaves is, isn't it crazy how stupid this character is? Well,
2: okay, that's fair.
1: Or, that or, is- and when that's not happening on screen, it goes to, do we think uh, John Krasinski is going to get with the receptionist, uh, Pam? I I mean I mean I I I definitely see this Shrek is influencing so much as it goes on, of course, and I I have to agree with you, Zach, in a in a negative way. I think I I mean just as when we get to the <laughs> whole I have to whole, agree with you in a negative way. The I love whole that. Well, no, it's in, yeah, it's influencing in a negative way. I have and when we get to the whole internet culture and how this has lasted so long, I think that you know it's it's like Shrek is like you know cinematic gonorrhea, like it never goes away or something, or herpes that you keep having flare ups on the internet of it. <laughs>
0: But I think it is respond. Like, tell me if, if you disagree, but I think it's in that same vein. Is that like, it, in, like, like this is one of those films, like I've mentioned before, where like this film didn't like make it tomorrow. It was profitable, it was successful. No one can deny that. But like, you look at like three years later when Shrek 2 comes out, and Shrek 2 almost made a billion dollars in 2004. Yep. Because at that point, basically, it was, what, seven years, six, seven years removed from Titanic, which was the first film to ever get that high. And this film came right to the edge of a billion dollars. Everyone's like, oh, my God, like, had this first film that, like, was successful. Then the second one comes out and becomes like a barnstormer. And I think that slur, sort of just like, I, I, whether it be intentional or just through cultural osmosis, Shrek just bled through the culture in a way that, like, nobody was even consciously
1: aware of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and no, I did. It was also it it opened a lot of doors.
0: It was also the idea too of having a schlubby, what's the word, pig, be the protagonist became popular.
1: Sure, and and definitely, I mean, ah, uh, I think the the one of the famous stories behind the making of Shrek is that you know Chris Farley was originally supposed to do the voice. But then he died during production of it, so Mike Myers comes on and changes it completely. But, I mean, that was Chris Farley's whole thing, was the, um, the the overweight, schlubby goofball type of thing. And this this kind of fits right in. Like, I mean, if you think of someone showering with mud and, like, brushing teeth with bug guts, you'd, I would totally say you think of Chris Farley. I mean, throw some cocaine in there somewhere, but he's totally not <laughs> Chris Farley.
0: <laughs> Did you guys watch any of the, like—I know there's a bunch of videos on YouTube— of people, like, taking certain sequences of Shrek and, like, overdubbing it with Chris Farley's, like, dialogue. Have you guys... Did you watch any
1: of that? I Not not for this, but I've I've heard of it before, because I think it was maybe, like, five years ago when, when like, what, audio tests of Chris Farley's dialogue leaked out and stuff like that. So I've definitely heard them at some point. Um, it's I, just... It's I, one of those things I've never cared that much to, like, really dive into.
0: Sure. Like, I remember when that was, like, a big thing a few years ago, like you said, Rob. And I... I this is for the first... Like, I never care, because I'm like, Shrek's just, like... Like it's fine Like again I don't hate this movie Like it's the same level I hate Dr. Sleep But like when I would hear Stories about that It's kind of like The Eric Stoltz Like Marty McFly thing Sure Where I'm like Would it be Like it would be fun For it to be out there For like Like cultural Educational reasons When it comes to like Cinematic history Yes Like we've delved into Many times Like I would rather Have all this available Just so we can analyze it But like personally I don't care like in preparation for this recording I went and like like watched listened to it and like if you listen to any of like Chris Farley's dialogue I think you have had a very much less successful film. There's no heart to it. Like Chris Farley very much like he's trying but like there's no heart to it. Like he did not have the sort of like clearly Mike Myers was like again I remember this was years ago. I remember like 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 this learning the history of Shrek like all the different like iterations And, like, apparently, like, after Chris Farley died, they brought Mike Myers in. Mike Myers recorded all the dialogue. And then, like, something like – it was some ridiculous amount of time. But I think it was, like, eight months before release. Mike Myers is like, hold on. I need to give him an accent. That will fix this. And DreamWorks is just like, god damn it. And they're like, fine. And they they basically redid the entire movie for, like, a third time. And, like, it worked, though. Because it gave them, like, a multi-billion dollar franchise out of it
1: yeah I mean, and also I definitely it's, it's to some extent understand how this movie could have a lasting impact, because you have you have characters that are you know pretty easily um, interp- uh, impressionable. And then, you know, you have things that, lines that can be restated and stuff like that that have been, you know, become, like, iconic in the culture. So, I mean, that all works. If you don't have that, you know, how do you just, like, impersonate Shrek? You do the Scottish accent, and that sticks around with people. So, and yeah, and also the other thing, if Chris Farley's recording this stuff near the end of his life. He had to, he was in dark times, of course. Like, I can't imagine that he was at, like, the top of his game type of thing back then which is unfortunate oh, yeah. of course yeah
0: sure but like you can just tell like, like I, I think just like looking at it from a surface level forgetting the context of like where he was in his life I don't think it would have worked cause like it just it felt very it was very dry it's nothing like a fire and a noble romantic mission to warm the cockles of your heart yeah
2: I like my cockles room temperature thank you very much hey if you're not doing this for cockle
0: warming why are you doing it <sighs> simple Bartwad gets his princess, I get what I want. Which is? Now, come on, what do you want? I don't have time to set it to music. Oh, this is another one of those onion things. No, this is one of those drop it and leave me alone things. Well, why don't you want to talk about it? Why do you want to talk about it? Why are you answering the question with a question? Why are you asking questions I don't want to answer? Why are you blocking? I'm not blocking. Then why do you have problems expressing your wants? I don't. I want you to shut up. See? No problem. You're just displacing your anger. Believe me, it's properly placed. You're really mad at
2: whoever did this to you? No
0: one did anything to me. Yes,
2: yes, yes. Someone hurt you so bad. Someone hurt you many years ago.
0: Leave my parents out of this! Breakthrough. Let's go with that. Let's explore family origin. Were you hugged as a child, Shrek? All right, all right. I want a home. And someone to share it with, okay? There's no heart to it. Sure. Whereas, as we've learned from Mike Myers, whether you like Austin Powers or not, Mike Myers at least seems to understand comedy in a way. Like, if you look at Chris Farley over his career, Chris Farley just kind of stumbled through it. It was very John Belushi esque, where it was just like, oh, he had a shtick, and audiences liked it. I don't think there was any sort of craft to it. Sure. Or at least, at least to the level where, like, again, whether you like Mike Myers or not, he at least looks at it as a craft. Whereas I think like someone like Farley or Belushi treated it as just like buffoonery.
1: Yeah, and Chris Farley was always a very much more uh, physical comedy co- type of person, where Mike sure. Myers could blend, you know, more of the actual voice character building and stuff like that i mean if you look at chris farley's like snl characters they all eventually devolve to the uh the fat man in a little coat thing from you know tommy boy and stuff like that it's always like look isn't this crazy type of thing
0: exactly and once again isn't it isn't it boiled down to isn't this crazy type-esque humor
1: yes um i have to i have to say while we're on the topic chris farley uh do you guys know when chris farley's birthday is (laughs) he said no no
0: tell me tell me it's not it is, is
1: it, ben it is february 15th which is ben oh. affleck's half birthday <laughs>
0: <laughs> i like how we measure birthday na- birthdays now in their proximity to august right? <laughs> i go where were you born i was half of ben affleck <laughs> ben
1: affleck's, yeah yeah absolutely so no i mean i i that's something i might go back and listen to is the chris farley dialogue but I mean, There's this... not
0: much of it. There's sure. not yeah, much yeah. of
1: it, so. This movie totally works because of Mike Myers, you know, his like I said it's it's easily impressionable and that that lasts on people. No matter what movie it is, like you know, you can o- if you have a character that you can impersonate like very easily that you can do it like a party with friends or just out and about and people will recognize it like an Austin Powers, you know. Uh, th- oh, then then it's going to it's going to last. You totally just
2: made a connection for me like that referencing without actually doing anything. Like, that's what you get to do at a party with this movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like if you go to somewhere and you have people who, you know, maybe you don't aren't aware if they have any knowledge about Shrek, if you say something like, you know, ogres have layers or, like, onions, people are going to know what that's from. If you say, like, donkey, people are going to totally just be like, oh, yeah, he's doing a Shrek thing. And and I have nothing inherently wrong with that. You know, that that's happened all the time. I think it, speaking of The Matrix, you know, people... Do still, I think to this day, do the Keanu Reeves like, whoa, and people know you're doing Keanu Reeves. You're doing Neo who can't ask questions well in the Matrix and can't understand anything (laughs) pretty much. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that the thing, though, is it's definitely seems like, you know, Shrek and Donkey are the the lasting things from this movie. I, I don't know. And I've never seen like I can't imagine people are like really into Lord Farquaad or Fiona Or any other characters. Maybe some of the ones like Puss in Boots that I can introduce later on. But so one of the things I found in my research that I never knew that I wanted to bring up... So I found an interview in 2007 for Film.com uh, with Janine Garofalo. And she, in the interview, she mentioned something where she was cast in Shrek. And the interviewer, uh, Brian Villalobos, was like, really? You were going to be in Shrek? Like, who were you cast as? And Janine Garofalo said Princess Fiona. And of when the interviewer, like, you know, pressed her on this, her comment was was this. She says she was fired from Shrek. And her comment about it was... I quote, I still don't know why. I was never told why. I assume because I sound like a man sometimes. I don't know why. Nobody told me. But you know, the movie didn't do anything, so who cares? And I'm like, Janine Garofalo, this was in 2007. I'm like, Janine Garofalo, what fucking rock have you been living under that you think Shrek didn't do anything? I think Cameron Diaz got like millions of dollars to do voice acting oh, in yeah. the second movie. So what yeah. do you mean it didn't do anything?
0: <laughs> well, Janine Garofalo is like also very bitter. And like, I, I don't want to call her like, like she never, like she never had like a superstar career. Like I would say yeah. at best she's what? C-level? Like at <laughs> best?
1: Yes, absolutely. In the sense of that she is on on like level with the sea, you know? <laughs> like yeah. her elevation is zero. But I just thought that was crazy that I found that and it's like, okay, Janine Garofalo, whatever you're trying to say there, just go for it, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like that like that's the thing though. But like that like this was still went through many iterations. Yes. Like think about it. Like just two years earlier. Or was it three years earlier? Basically, Eddie Murphy did the exact same thing with Mushu from Mulan.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely. And it's just
0: it's just him ad-libbing, but he's a dragon, and that's <laughs> the thing. Like it was meant like and even think about that casting. That was done very deliberately as well mm-hmm. to kind of cash in on that. Oh yeah. yeah, and and then even the idea too. Like think about it. Like this is the same year. Like this comes out in June of two thousand or uh, May of two thousand one, and later this year you're having Monsters Inc. Which well, is another movie about monsters with a heart of gold.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you, and it's it's kind of like, I mean, and Monsters Inc. too. That is kind of stuck with the with the culture, but not in such a big way as Shrek, of course. But no, I, it's I don't know. I find it insane. I guess I guess finding that insane is what is a better time than any to to the thing that baffles me that I want to talk about. The the thing that's most interesting with me in this movie is that the internet loves this movie. Like this is Shrek is just is like evergreen in terms of the internet type of thing. Like it is everywhere, and and I this is what I wanted to dig into because I was well, like,
0: this, well, well, like I said, its this, like, okay, I don't want to interrupt you because I know you're gonna go on, uh, you're gonna explain it though. But just like kind of to preface this is that like like nostalgia.
1: Oh, I definitely think that's a that's a, a part of it for sure. I definitely but I'll continue. Don't let me this interrupt is, you. This definitely falls into the category. I think of you know people saw it when they were younger. And it it um, it worked for them. It clicked for them to some extent, and you know then it, it kind of just lasted in their memory for some reason. And that happens. The nostalgia bug catches everybody, I think. And you know it it just comes down to if you rewatch it, if you really can look at it with a different in a different eye or whatever, but I definitely think that plays a role. So I, I basically was, like, digging into stuff I could find on, you know, why do people like this movie and things of that nature. Uh, I do want to mention that in this research, I found this absolutely hilarious. I found a, uh, a blog post on medium.com, which just seems like anybody can sign up and make blog posts. But I was attracted to this blog post because it was titled, What is Marxism Doing in My Swamp? Viewing Shrek Like Never Before. And so I was like, "Oh, <laughs> what is Marxism doing in my swamp?" Um, this is to to relate to something Ben mentioned uh, before we started recording. This is it seems like a high schooler found out what the words proletariat and bourgeoisie mean, and very basically put Shrek in that framework. Like it comes off as the most basic interpretation of what like the relationship between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie and the film, and so you can find this if you just Google "What is Marxism doing in my swamp?" I'm sure this will pop up. It is a it's a blog post by a user named Zoe, and if you click on the About section for Zoe, there is uh, her TikTok handle. That's all there is in that. So that's what we're dealing with here. But just a quote that I wanted to read from this this uh, this blog post that shows off, I think, how vacuous it is. She Zoe is is writing about the scene where you know Shrek has is basically uh, a a lackey of Lord Farquaad to go rescue Fiona, and she writes Shrek is so blinded by his goal he has no time to woo Fiona or even talk to her. He barely treats her as a person. Therefore, this may represent the idea that a sense of life is lost in capitalism as the goal to maximize production takes away time from things such as relationships. So what do we think? Pulitzer Prize winning right here? (laughs) Wow. Oh, man. Uh, Something they get late in college. (laughs) 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 The whole article is like that basic type of thing um uh, and uh, it is it is rough and to as a cherry on top the uh the post ends with a comparison between Lord Farquaad and Donald Trump oh god
3: really? yes jeez
1: oh, so 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 i wanted to bring that up because i found it so absolutely bonkers but also in the sense that yes this was written this recently that you know trump was in office when it happened and these comparisons were being made and that adds to the fact that i think shrek is evergreen on uh on the uh, in on the internet and so in a more serious way, I found an article uh, from The Atlantic called Why is the Internet so Obsessed with Shrek? And I was like, perfect. This is exactly one of the things I want to read. It's back from 2014, and I was like, maybe this has an answer to the exact question. And there were some interesting points made in this article um, by the author and by you know people the author interviewed that I want to talk about. But uh, very unfortunately, and I guess I should say, whenever I do my research and i look up articles for these movies you know i'll i'll go through a bunch i'll read them i'll kind of see if they're you know if they're either really bad or really good or they have some points i want to bring up and w- usually what i do is after i read them if it's one i want to mention i'll go back up and i'll be like oh who wrote this so i can credit it uh, appropriately i'm very inf- please I'm tell happy me, please tell
0: me. please tell me it's david sims, it's david sims. It's david- it is david yes! sims it is david sims the the host of our that.
1: of our much my much hated Zach's much loved uh i guess Enemy or competitive podcast blank check. So, I I have to say it is a fairly decent article about this topic. So I have to reference it. Um, but but it is there. So the thing the thing that I want to mention is um two two things that came up in this article that I found really interesting is that basically David Sims you know went to other people and made his own hypotheses about well why is Shrek so popular and he talks a little bit about how Shrek is popular all that stuff which I think everybody's aware of if you've ever been on the internet but There's one thing in this article where he asked somebody this question and their answer was this. Shrek is really a shorthand for everything that was popular in the early 2000s, before the internet folded in on itself. This was sort of the first instance of a postmodern children's thing selling out. It's this odd mix of both admitting affection, but also that it's kind of shitty. And I think that's fairly interesting, that maybe Shrek has survived so long in the internet culture because people are saying, oh, this is... This is kind of like what we knew when we were kids. It was this almost or start, as we talked about before, of this meta aspect of, of referential humor. Uh, maybe not the start, but near the beginning of it. And, and nobody really kind of likes it now, but we're still poking fun at it. I thought that was interesting. A different person that's interviewed in this article has a, a different take that says Shrek has been popular because there's a sort of momentum to it. There's a few Shrek jokes, and then Shrek starts to be just like the stand-in for anything that's like generic entertainment. Like when you're making an ironic joke or something. It's also a funny word... There's something kind of funny about an ogre doing things, like an ogre fucking. That's funny. I'd look <laughs> <Exactly>. at that.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like I said, the idea of the third movie is about him and another ogre fucking, and they have children. That's that's the plot of the third one. That's amusing. It's a I concept. think
1: that second quote is gets it more of the idea that, you know, Shrek—I like this notion that Shrek just became a placeholder. ...for other things and eventually get overused. Because really, I think that's what a meme is. You know, people... Like, what a reaction shot is and things like that. It's, you know, it's people, a template. It's exactly, a template, right? Exactly. And Shrek might have started that because Shrek is so easy to, you know, imprint something on. And, and I think that, combined with the first quote I read, is that there's some admission of that we have affection for it, but also that it's kind of shitty. This made me think of something. When you see reaction, like, GIFs or images or anything or templates for memes... None of them are really good. I think they come from a place they exist because they look goofy or stupid or weird. Like, think of the the Spongebob sarcasm meme, where Spongebob's doing that absolutely ridiculous pose with the buck teeth and his eyes out. Like, I don't think anybody who's using that as a meme or when it started as a meme goes to that and goes, wow, look at this, this is a great example of animation. They look at it and go, isn't this goofy? I want to use that to elicit responses from people. And I think this kind of ties into Shrek and everything we said with this meme culture, that it's this notion of, well, like, none of this is really high concept or high art. It's just goofy and funny and easy to say and people know it. So we just rolled that – we just kept rolling that ball down the internet or through the internet. And I I thought that was fairly interesting. So, I mean – it does does Shrek deserve to stay around? I don't think so because I don't like that movie. But as like but this I meme think, template, it totally works.
0: But that's the thing though, is I think like you were saying, it's the idea that like Shrek is one of the last few ubiquitous things in the culture. Yes. Especially for quote unquote nineties kids that everybody can lean back on. Like that's what like you know like like the internet has destroyed a lot of things. It's the idea that, like, because of the internet, now everybody has their own little, like, form of nostalgia that's exclusive to them. We're not, I, I tend, like, Generation Z, and even probably the later years of millennials are not going to have nostalgia years from now because there's just, it's just, Everybody had their own version of growing up, even like sure. Rob, Ben and I, like think about it. like once we reached our teenage years, there was just such a cornucopia of just stuff to consume. Like whereas Rob and I can point to like, oh, instead of going to senior prom, we saw MacGruber opening day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the idea that like this, there's there such a like a God, a wealth. Of just wealth in quotation marks Is that like nobody Like has the same experience twice It's like everybody's nostalgia Is like a snowflake now And Shrek is one of the last vestiges Of that like oh wow we all saw Shrek that summer As children
1: Yeah it, it was back in the time when you know things could be that seismic, where, where there wasn't the deluge of of media and things to consume that we have now. Absolutely,
0: exactly. I think that's why um, it, it has lingered. And plus, I think because it lampoons things and it's so broad in its appeal, whether it be like that's another thing too we didn't talk about. Like in two thousand one, like for the most part, my mother liked this, and like my mother did not like children's entertainment. She very very begrudgingly my like would get dragged like anything <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly they're like my mother would get like like dragged to things like finding nemo uh i i i, I don't even know what other like ice age and she's like yeah it's cute whatever like the squirrel was funny when he was like I, again like I, I mean like very passive just patronizing like yeah it was funny when the squirrel like chased his nut. not ha Moving on, whereas Shrek was at least amusing to an adult. So it's like jokes like the dating game appealed to the the adults in the audience
1: yeah like we it's were saying kind of it makes re- it go down easier yeah
0: sure but i don't think that was done like again it's there to appeal to not just a, like again whereas shrek farting in the mud is there to appeal to like a like an eight-year-old the dating game stuff is there to appeal to the adults that they're basically accompanying the child
1: sure i see what you're saying i mean i i do disagree that i think uh, uh, the fart jokes in this movie are geared towards the entirety of humanity, because everybody likes toilet humor, Zach. We can't forget that. Uh, especially Ben. Not my parents. <laughs> not
0: my parents.
1: Well, then, that's evidence your parents were not human. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and it's it's... It is this weird, like, I, I guess, like I've stated, I don't think anybody thinks this, but I'm not saying that this movie, you know, it doesn't work or doesn't deserve this lasting thing. There's a reason for all this, and I think you're explaining exactly why, that they, they were able to package it in such an effective way in 2001, that it does get some credit for that, but, it's just, it's, I can't, I cannot stand watching this movie. I look, I liked doing research for this, though. That was very fun. I, I mean, think
0: I think it's a very interesting movie. Yes. I, I'm sorry. It's very, has a great context. The movie yeah, has e- great exactly. context.
1: Because, like, I, I had fun finding that article, like, why is Marxism in my swamp? Even though that article is a load of hot garbage, that title is fantastic <laughs> in re- re- relation to Shrek. But I have to say, also in my research, a question that I found the definitive answer to, which I was asking, and I know you guys were asking... <laughs> is, why is Shrek hot? I I found the definitive answer to the question, why oh, is Shrek God. hot? And I want to read this to you because it is from Korra, and it is clearly the definitive answer. So the question is, why is Shrek hot? And the answer is, his manhood is so big, it driven Donkey insane, and its presence in the movie made the movie bad to balance out its magnificence. So So clearly... <laughs> This person is saying <laughs> the movie is not good, but knowing this is fact is making Shrek better because Shrek has such a huge penis. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. I, I love because when I was Googling, like, all, like you know, criti- I was Googling, like, criticism of Shrek. Why is Shrek so popular? Popularity of Shrek. All this stuff. One of the things I found was just why is Shrek hot? And the answer when it started with his manhood is so big, I was like, OK, I have to read more about this. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and also, I didn't misspeak. The quote is legitimately his manhood is so big. It driven donkey insane. <laughs> it driven donkey. Insane? Yes, that is what is on Quora. But but I do. Okay. Yeah, go for it, Ben. Oh, Ben, what do you oh, want to shit. say about Shrek's manhood? <laughs> I, I figured you didn't misquote it I figured like I, I'm familiar with quora <laughs> yes but it's it's written by uh, uh people who can't speak or spell <laughs> something like that yeah yes oh so the, the last the last thing that I was really getting into is you know everything we saying about Shrek living through meme culture that's fine that's gonna happen no matter what like spongebob will just like Shrek will live on through meme culture. All this crazy nonsense that we have, even though some memes come and go, some of them are evergreen, and that's gonna happen because the internet is this weird perpetual motion machine, or spheres of the internet are this perpetual motion machine that keep things going. And I have no problem with that. The thing that really baffles me is that you will consistently find retrospectives and reviews of Shrek, even up to this day and age, that say it is a masterpiece. And I'm that's the thing that baffles me the most, because, you know, clearly, I think I've laid out, I don't think this movie's a masterpiece and what problems it has, and I'm sure we'll get to more, but this is my hypothesis. Every time I found one of these articles, like, from the last four, up to, like, four or five years ago, that say, like, you know, oh, why Shrek is a masterpiece, and, like, ten reasons Shrek was so good, and ten things that, you know, if you revisit Shrek, you'll realize it's better than you thought, and stuff like that. I oh I fundamentally don't understand... ...why this exists. So when I read them, I started to get this sense, and this is my hypothesis, is that after Shrek exploded on the internet, after the internet really blew up, and, you know, meme culture and the repetitive nature of the internet really came to be the modern era that we live in, I think that outlets in cyberspace began lauding this film with vacuous positivity in order to gain clicks. There were people out there that were clearly like, oh, man, Shrek is so insanely popular. Like, there are memes about Shrek even before I think anybody really knew what a meme was going to be. And they were like, okay, if we write a BuzzFeed article about how good Shrek is, that's going to get us clicks. Because the internet clearly likes Shrek. And so I I honestly think nobody really likes this movie. Because when I read these, these like, ten reasons why Shrek is a masterpiece... All ten reasons are always very, very, you know, opinionated, they're very vacuous, and they're never fully explained. I could never find a good description of, like, well, why is this so good? And most of the things are, like, the humor is careful, smart, and funny. And I'm like, can you give me an example? And nobody can give me an example. And I th- and so it has to be that this is just like a marketing technique. I feel like it's it's been done for other things where it's like, oh, people clearly like X, Y, or Z. So we're going to write positive things about X, Y, or Z. Because then if the fans of this read that on our website, they're more likely to go back to our website. Be like, oh, you know, Screen Rant likes Shrek. I like Shrek. I want to read more from Screen Rant. I'm... And this is human nature. I'm guilty of this as well. When Ben and I did our Patreon episode when we covered um, Unfriended, the movie that posits what would it be like to live in Satan's asshole for 70 minutes – I found a YouTube review of somebody just lampooning Unfriended. They were really tearing it apart. And I had never heard of this guy's YouTube channel. But now I'm like, oh, he had this really funny opinion on Unfriended that I agreed with. I'm definitely more likely to check out his other videos. And I totally believe that's what Shrek has become. It has become this lightning rod to try and get views on the internet because... Of the nostalgia factor, of the meme factor, whatever. That's my hypothesis, and I think it's totally believable. And this is where now you guys come in and say, no, Rob, you're wrong. Shrek is legitimately a smart, careful, well-crafted movie. <laughs> I wish I could. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's the was, one th- thing we can I all agree was, on.
0: <laughs> I think it was clever for its time. I think for its time, it was it was something outside the norm. It was stuff that people had never seen before. But I do not think it's this treasure that should be held up. And I think – another thing we didn't talk about was that this was the first time that there was the Best Animated Feature Oscar with
1: yes. its own category. Yes.
0: And this was the inaugural winner.
1: Yeah, it beat Monsters, Inc., and it beat the Jimmy Neutron movie. Yeah,
0: and that's the thing. Is that like I think that's another reason why. It's it's yeah. all, it's kind of yeah. like the old adage, like once you win an Oscar, you always work. And I think that's what it is. It just – it has that acclaim toward it. I think the reason why it also lasts in the culture, too, is also, like I said, the business aspect. You have Spielberg, Katzenberg, and Geffen behind it, and it's there. Like, it's just – it's there because the industry has, like, cemented it that. It's kind of like – it's like, oh, like, why are some of these movies or, like, entertainment properties considered or held in such high regard? It's because the industry just indiscriminately places them in high regard.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And I think that's the reason why. And like I said, like, Shrek 2, like, we can't just ignore the sequels. That, like it became just like cultural inertia after a while the Shrek franchise mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yeah I mean is a uh, quick quick aside is the Jimmy Neutron movie that lost to Shrek is that the one where all the pants attack people or is that just the episode of the show the first episode of the show thats
0: that, that's that. that's an episode of the show okay I've never seen the movie with the movies like the like the aliens They like, go to space. like the goo pods the
1: goo pods or something okay I don't know if I've seen that interesting okay I've never seen the movie. I I would have... Oh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, Ben, you liked Jimmy Neutron, right? If I remember correctly? Yeah,
2: oh, yeah. They uh, they turn... What's the word I'm looking for? Like carnival rides into spaceships in that movie. And they, like, go to space and like a ferris wheel and shit
1: oh okay okay yeah i don't know if i've seen that um i would have loved for that movie to win the first ever best animated feature and steve Kirk would have gotten an oscar <laughs> <laughs> that would have been wonderful <laughs> um i do have to say though that uh there's a lot of problems i have with the best animated feature like i mentioned at the start you know sylvan chaumet has lost three uh animation oscars to pixar which is a travesty. Henry Selleck has lost uh, uh, animation Oscars to Pixar, which is a travesty. Did Coraline lose? Coraline Coraline lost to Up. Up beats (sighs) Up beats Coraline, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and The Secret of Kells in one year. And that's just like, I think that's when I'm like, Uh, okay, the world sucks. Like the world, I'm against everything the world is doing. (laughs)
0: Okay, Rob, can I ask you another question? Okay, I have I have a question asked you. Like, you don't like Shrek? No. Like, clearly, we've established that as your thesis.
1: No, maybe I don't know. Maybe now that we've talked about it, I kind of love this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but at the same time, though, would like which, at the end of the day, is worse, Shrek or the oh god, animation killer? Or god, the thing that has infected animation more? I think about it, nothing is more responsible for the destruction of hand-drawn animation than Pixar. Yes. Which is worse, Shrek by itself or Pixar's just oh god, infection of the animation oh god.
1: You're asking you're asking the real questions. I'm asking you which is worse, cancer or AIDS. Because I I have to say Pixar is worse because Shrek is vacuous and unenjoyable to me and it's it's a baffling concept that so many people love it as we've discussed. But Pixar is the death of I think animation or hand-drawn animation. Fun Interesting art styles, it's the death of, and it's also the thing that becomes the emotionally manipulative machine that I can't yes. stand, and that is far yes. more offensive to me than something just being vacuous.
0: Exactly, and I think, but like, and that's what I mean though, is that like Shrek is a middle finger to that that was coming before it, or that came right before it, in what was coming later, and that's why I cannot hate Shrek Completely like it's I don't think I think Shrek is responsible for a lot of what's wrong with cinema and culture today. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's literally the worst thing ever because I think it's at least, even though it's part of the problem, at the same time, it's also giving a middle finger to the problem.
1: Sure. And you know, I, I hear you, there's a level of acceptance to both Shrek and Pixar where the acceptance of Shrek is that we're never going to get out of here and some people seem to love it on the internet. The acceptance of Pixar is people seemingly at least in my experience like voluntarily deciding to not be bothered by emotional manipulation like they are like isn't it great how all these pixar movies make you cry and it's like no if i like if i like blue pepper in your eyes or nose you'd sneeze like does that make pepper groundbreaking no it doesn't if you emotionally manipulate your audience that doesn't make it groundbreaking either
0: but I think it comes back I, – I agree with you, and I think it comes back to the George Lucas quote of, like, emi- "like emotional manipulation of an audience isn't hard. All you've got to do is choke a kitten, and the yes. audience is automatically yours. Yes. Kill and the I dog, the and thing. I
1: am legend. Absolutely.
0: Kill the dog and John Wick. I am yours.
1: <laughs> um, and
0: I think that's the thing. That was like, I love Up as a movie, but like that opening like five minutes is just – it's the exact same thing as in Finding Nemo. I don't yes. care that his wife died. I don't know anything. The wife isn't a character. Mm-hmm. She's just there. And I, the reason why I like Up is I like the, old, the idea of an old man yelling at, like, a colorful flamingo. I think that's funny. An old man yelling <laughs> at a colorful flamingo <laughs> for 90 minutes is fun to me. But, like, I don't care about his emotional strife. It's, like, sure. it's irrelevant at that point. And I think that's the thing about Pixar is that, like, Pixar's best movies are, like, its early ones. Like, Toy Story, it's just a buddy film. A bug's life. It's the idea of like an incompetent inventor saving the day. That is an interesting concept. Monsters Inc., where it's like again, it's a buddy film. Yes, it's fun. Yes. Is it groundbreaking? No, but it's entertaining for 90 minutes. And then like once Finding Nemo starts, and like maybe not even Finding Nemo, it's like Toy Story Two. Yes. Where like you start to get like the early inclination of like, oh, oh God, what's it? Uh uh jesse it's like oh yep. jesse's owner threw her away exactly that's and what i'm I was like of. and yeah. i'm like yeah. okay like that's an interesting element to the character and that's the thing like it's an interesting element it's not the entire film and then finding then they realized oh wow we can build movies around the concept of we shoot Bambi's mom in the first five minutes.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And then, like, that literally becomes the foundation of every single one of their films. And, like, it's just like, no, this is garbage. This is, um, again, like you said, emotionally manipulative. We should not reward them for this. And that's where, like, you got to give Shrek credit because even though Shrek is vacuous, it's at least not as – it's still manipulative. It's just not as manipulative.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree there, and it, and it of course it relies on certain you know tropes of of storytelling sure. and narrative, but it's the oh definitely it's in a different way. Like I'm I'm thinking of like at the start of the third act in Shrek, we get the stupid like oh our characters are having a basic misunderstanding, and that stupid misunderstanding is driving the plot in the third act, and that's been done before. It'll always happen, but that is definitely less egregious to me than you know we are going to make you artificially try and make you care about these characters in that pixar does
0: exactly and i think that's the thing though is that like where like dreamworks eventually ran out of cachet to cash in on pixar is still there cashing in on it
1: absolutely and there's there's a lot of pixar movies i haven't seen but that's what i hear about from all of them where they're like you know like people see it as like a positive i've heard people that that they're just like very brazenly will be like you know like, Pixar makes grown men cry, and that's a good thing. And it's like, well, they're making – like I said, they're making them cry because they're cutting onions in front of them. They're not making them cry for any real reason. They're doing it artificially. Exactly. And, and to I answer my question before, is... I do think Pepper is groundbreaking. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: but I think I, – going back to Shrek, though, is that, like, Shrek is chock full of, like, hollow platitudes. Yes. Like, the idea of, like, oh, like, it's uh, – it's what on the inside counts better than the outside. And, like, that's – Fine. Like as a con, I- I- As a very like condensed Boiled down concept like sure Like what's on the inside matters More than what's on than, like superficiality That is a there's nothing to get Mad at there yes, yes. but like I- And that's the thing though is like I'm willing To at least like what's the word Again I-, I don't care I think that's at least a rather innocent premise As opposed to like what you would Get with like like well, god Pixar of the last 10 Years sure sure
1: yeah, it, it makes me like, think of Inside Out, where the message is so convoluted. Where it's like, people are like, oh, Inside Out has such a good message for kids. It's that, you know, every decision you make is, uh, is not driven by one emotion, it's a confluence of all your emotions. But then when you dig a little deeper into the movie, it's basically like, no, only these five emotions run your life. And it's like, oh, that's still a very, very diminutive approach to the complexity of the human brain.
0: I just, I've seen Inside Out. I couldn't tell you what the message of that film is. I, I just, <laughs> it's like, what is the message of that film? Like that's like you look at Pixar's movies for the last couple of years. Like they're emotion, they're still emotionally manipulative, but there's no core to it. It's like oh, yeah, like yeah, like what is the what is the message to? I don't know. Like the last good Pixar movie, in my opinion, was Coco, because Coco's message was like oh, like have some sort of reverence for like your loved ones of yesteryear. Okay, it's like you shouldn't throw out traditions just because it's inconvenient. Okay, and I'm like okay, and like I, I, that's at least I can get on board with that. As as a basic notion, but then they also have things like Inside Out. Like I don't know, like what was the last Pixar movie that came out that was ubiquitous?
1: I, I, uh, I just like, it's like the Good Dinosaur, Zach. Okay, everybody knows the Good Dinosaur.
0: <laughs> nobody even remembers that movie exists.
1: I I still that to movie this day, doesn't exist. People say to me they're like, yeah, they're like I like Pixar. I've seen all the Pixar movies, and I'll be like, what about the Good Dinosaur? And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, you yeah. idiot. <laughs>
0: Can we talk about the fact that like people don't even know, like, like there's a lot of people on the internet that think Shrek is a Disney movie. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. like a lot of people think that is a actual Disney movie. And I'm just like, okay, that also explains why people also kind of high help, hi- hel- hi- eh, hold it in such high regard. Mm-hmm. It's because mm-hmm. I think there might be also a level of this that there's also a very misinformed public.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I could definitely see that. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that people see, like, this type of animation and they go, oh, this is this looks like could be a Pixar thing or something. So it has to be related to Disney. Pinocchio's in it. Cinderella's in it. It has to be Disney and all that notion.
0: And that's the thing is that, like, I think there's a lot of people that just kind of – what's the word? They can't see the forest through the trees. Oh,
1: oh yeah, absolutely. And so on. before like, we, we leave the topic of the message of, of these movies, Shrek, I have to say, one of the things I regularly found in my research was that, you know, why Shrek is a masterpiece, all this vacuous clickbaity nonsense. Um, one of the things that regularly gets uh, stated is that they say Shrek has a good message, and they and they relate that message of, you know, be yourself or it's not on what the outside counts. You know, don't judge a book by its cover, however you want to frame it. And the movie does double down on that. There's a whole scene in, like, the middle where Shrek is giving that speech to Donkey where he's like, people judge me, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and I don't like that. I want them to get to know me or whatever it is. And sure, I'm fine. Like you said, Zach, I'm fine with that message. That's a good message for kids for anybody. I'm okay with it. But I feel like every time I see Shrek, every time I watch it, and especially for this recording, the movie's like, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, get to know people. People are complex, all this stuff. And then the movie routinely stops in its tracks to go, except Lord Farquaad. He's short, we should make fun of him. And I'm, like you're, well, I'm sure. like, you're missing the point of your message where it's like everybody deserves a chance and should get to be, get like, we should get to know them, except Lord Farquaad. Fuck that guy. But I think, and but it's I like, think, why?
0: But I think that's intentional, though, because, like, remember, if you go back to this, uh, probably the studio edict at the time was that Farquan is the enemy. He's the evil empire, a.k.a. Disney. So there's no. Yeah, I'm sure it's intentional, but it's baked into the pot. It
1: depletes from the message of the movie where they're like, everybody deserves a chance. Don't base on their appearances. Ha ha. He's short. And it's like, well, welcome, if the movie was to trying Hollywood. to say that message, it would switch. I, I don't. I feel like people misattribute that, or they don't notice that, where they're just like, "bad guy, bad, haha," and they they think that only good guys should be the ones that like posit the message and use the I
0: message. I don't know if, it, like I said, I think you're right, but I think at the same time, though, it's also just a blatant like Hollywood hypocrisy. Well,
1: sure. Of sure. like,
0: like everybody, everybody's voice should be heard except for the people we disagree with.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a that's a good way to put it, and I feel like you know. This is just a point I'm making to say that people say, oh, Shrek has a good message. If you dissect the movie, you see like, well, no, it has a good message in the sense that a good message is stated. It is clearly not followed through.
0: Exactly. And I guess I don't, I don't disagree with you. But what I'm really interested in is what is Ben's
1: take on all this? Ben's watching it right now, I would bet. Um... He's shrek enough, right?
0: Ben, <laughs> Ben's, ben found – basically he ordered that copy of – or he's sorry, he ordered a plush of Shrek and Donkey. He's now ingesting them. Because he yes. wants to consume this film even better. He I will eat, he Shrek wants to... to
1: gain his power. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will but, gain the farts of the ogre monster. That's definitely true. Uh,
2: no, I, I mean, I have to agree with Rob about the uh, fact that the movie itself kind of turns back on its own message with, with regards to Lord Farquaad. And I actually find that particularly compelling, especially when it comes down to the comparison of like Farquaad to Trump. Is like... Trump was somebody that the, the public decided was bad, and it didn't matter what he did, it was bad. Yes. And that's that's what happened with and That That's totally a, a good point. And, and to say that the movie has a good message is definitely to forget that the message only applies to the, the air quotes good guys,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, which I definitely think is, is terrible. In terms of, well, you guys talked about emotional manipulation for a while, and I didn't really chime in because I was being emotionally manipulated. No, I... Um, <laughs> you were crying because we mentioned up? <laughs> that's, that's right, I was. I don't know if I necessarily agree that it's, like, straight emotional manipulation. Like, I, I think that stories that evoke emotions are not always bad by any means. Um, and I, I might want to spend more time ferreting out the difference between evoking emotions and emotionally manipulating an audience. Because I'm sure there is a distinction. Um, and I just, I don't know if if the movie, if all the movies mentioned are actually emotionally manipulative, or if they just evoke emotion um, and yeah. evoking emotion is not a bad thing because stories are stories. Like in terms of, of humans and how we use stories are intended to be informational and to help you figure out how to live. Uh, essentially. Like that's what stories, the, the main purpose stories serve to begin with. And of course, at some point they, be, they became straight entertainment, but to indicate, you know, in up for instance, like life goes on after losing a loved one, like that—that's not a bad thing. Uh, so showing the losing a loved one part of up, and, and it, I don't know that that necessarily applies as emotionally manipulative.
1: That's a good. That's a good point. And I guess I should say, you know, I—I I don't think emotional manipulation is bad a hundred percent of the time. To to use an example that I know you and I are familiar with, Ben. The, um, I think the, the beginning of searching, that first six minutes that shows how the wife has cancer and is dying, that is emotionally manipulative, but I think that's done in a good way because, It it clearly sets up something that will be paid off throughout and at the end of the movie where my problem with the Pixar films is that the entire concept of searching is that, you know, is, is like, you know, the somebody has died. We should feel bad for them. We should be attached to them. And then they start to change. That just happens in the first five minutes type of thing. Where, where I, I think the emotional manipulation aspect is that we can be emotionally manipulated in some way, but I don't want it to just be like, here's how you should feel for the rest of the movie. It should be more of a place setting than it's like putting you in a mold, if that makes sense.
2: Well, and so for Up, I think it is kind of a place setting, whereas for Inside Out, I don't. I don't know that that movie is different. The the fact. Don't please no... talk
0: about Inside Out. What is the plot to Inside Out? Like I, I saw this movie, never and I really have no memory it, so. of. It. So the Kyle the, McLaughlin is the dad. That's all I know. The,
2: that's the, all the, I remember. As far as I remember, is like, oh god. So like they they move away from the the girl's hometown. She has to be away from her friends. She starts to get like a little bit emo and emotional as a as a teenager, and and then she decides that she's going to run away or something. And then there's a
0: Bing Bong. What is Bing Bong?
2: It's it's like her imaginary friend from when she was a kid, and it it fell into the part of the brain where memories get go to die, and somebody uses it to get out of that part of the brain so that they can. I think like Joy uses it. I think, and so like that movie. What that movie's about is is the inclination to become depressed, and then and then um, potentially how to realize that life isn't as bad as it seems. So, something like that, and I totally could be a little bit wrong, but but that's that's in the ballpark of what that movie's about. And in, in terms of what Rob said, like, there are, obviously there are more emotions than those five. Those five are, they do make up a lot of the more complex emotions. Like, the, a lot of the more complex emotions are just kind of merging together of those five in, in some way. Sure. Um, but there probably are other ones that are not quite represented. So yeah, sure, it's like, it's a simplification, Absolutely. But it's a simplification... I don't know that the fact that it's a simplification is harmful, I guess. So, I don't know. I, I think Up is... I think the message Up had in terms of emotions and how young people will have to learn to cope
0: with them is pretty solid. Um, obviously... I put- but the thing – I don't think Rob – because like I, I can't speak to Rob's opinion on Up overall. Fun fact, I actually I saw Up the day Rob saw Nightmare at the Museum Battle at the Smithsonian. I'm not sure if Rob <laughs> remembers that. Um, Sal and I were going to see that with my mom as Rob and his mother saw Battle at the Smithsonian, this weird like context tangent. Um, I don't think Rob and I have any problem with Up as a film Like overall. I think we have our problem with like how it begins. And how it immediately just straight out of the gate begins with that sort of just like, okay, we're gonna do something very manipulative. So you're automatically inclined to like this film. And uh, yeah. I think that's the issue. Is it just like how it like it begins? Like it, it begins with that as its thesis.
2: So well, it's uh, trying how, to immediately how make it begin,
0: presuppose. Right? I don't remember the, the, the wife died. We the film begins. Oh, you're like, about, I'm
2: sorry. Up, oh, I was thinking about um, the emotions one again.
0: Uh, yes, Up does start with that emotional manipulation. Um, and I think that's the thing, Rob and I have a problem with that. It begins straight out of the gate with that. So I don't like, think we have a problem with the overall message. It's just that, like, it begins with that. It's like it's it's just out of the gate, like thing being like, okay. It's like imagine if Bambi began with like the mother being died. I'm oh, sorry about uh, being died. being, dying. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> being be, it, the mother being died. Indeed. Being uh, died I, I by guess, a
2: bullet. I guess what I would say is like, if, if the point of the movie is that there is life after loss, how should the story begin? Like the story should begin with the loss, or maybe the story should begin after the loss, but the loss should be really relevant at the beginning of the story, because that's, that is the beginning of the story.
0: Well, um, I think it boils down to intent. I think like, I know Rob and I talk about that a lot. Like what is the intent of something? But I think that's the thing. It's like if you are a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation, what's the best way to get people hooked on your film is to begin by that moment. Like imagine if Titanic like began with that as like your first moment. Like it's like, OK, you see all these people like like dying in the ocean. Yeah, but I mean children. It, in some respect, Titanic
2: is emotionally manipulating you because it, it gets you to like Jack and, and what's her bucket. And then it gets you to be <laughs> upset that, that Jack dies. So like,
0: but I think it doesn't begin, but I think the difference is that, like it doesn't begin with that straight out of the gate. I think again, Rob, tell him I don't want to speak for you, Rob. please interject if you disagree with anything that I'm saying. Is that like it's the idea that like emotional manipulation isn't wrong. That's why we go to the movies. We go to the movies to have that sort of visceral experience because obviously, our own day- to- day lives are nowhere near as interesting as, any sort of like fiction is, but I think the problem is that Pixar has made it its god bread and butter to basically just be that all the time, unless it's something kind of just so blatantly there to sell toys, as in just like Cars or Monsters University. I yeah,
1: uh, I I think uh, I definitely agree with that. The front loading on Pixar movies of that per- emotional story is is definitely what I have an issue with. Now, to be to be fair, I haven't seen Up in a very long time. My issue with the story of Up was that. I, and like as you said, Ben, I don't honestly don't remember if I took the that life continues after loss. My issue with Up when I saw it was that. The movie could have cut out the whole wife-dying thing and just been, this is cranky man, cranky old man, and the story would have worked exactly the same. That was my issue with it, that they put in a storyline of, oh, we need to feel bad for cranky old man because his wife had a miscarriage and then died, when it could have just been, oh, no, cranky old man can just be cranky. I feel like that that wouldn't have changed, because if I remember correctly, the story about Up becomes somebody— with like an army of talking dogs trying to get a diamond or something like that. And I, I just don't remember anything about life continues after loss. I remember being cranky old man goes on an adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think
2: so where I'm getting the life continues after loss is like cranky old man lets new people
1: into his life. I mean, like I said, I would have to see it again to have more thoughts on it, but, but that, that was my big takeaway, is that the, the front-loading of, of sad story was almost irrelevant to the rest of the movie. It, it framed, it put, like I said, it put the movie in a mold for you to view it as, which is what I think is that emotional manipulation, where it's, it, the movie could work as a story just the same way, but you wouldn't have, without that first scene, you wouldn't have the thought of, oh, I need to constantly feel sorrow for this old man type of thing. Well, I
2: I guess I didn't constantly feel sorrow for him, so I don't, like, I wasn't emotionally manipulated to that level. Oh, sure, because we,
1: I think the three of us are all normal people. When you hear the normie, or the the more uh, regular community talk about Up, they go, man, I was crying the whole first ten minutes of that movie, and it's a very different mindset I think people are seeing it in.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't didn't cry during it either. Um, (laughs) It's
0: not... Because Ben's an adult. He doesn't cry in
2: animated films. That's, I mean, well, okay, that probably is true. I wouldn't, I don't think I would try an animated (laughs) film unless it like really connected to my life in the moment. Sure. And like, that's, that's something like that's, I guess that's another aspect that I view these emotional, like what we're referring to as emotional manipulation. Um, When, when something like that applies to your life, it can be really cathartic to see it. uh, Sure. And, and to, to realize that people are experiencing it and things like that. So like everybody's experienced some amount of loss, um, unless I, I don't I don't know I mean unless you were born into the world without people attached to you.
1: <laughs> test two um, baby, sure.
2: Yeah, test test two, <laughs> baby, or, or uh, you know, orphaned really young and didn't ever develop attachments, things like that. But for the most part, like that's that's a really universal concept that people have experienced loss. So. I, I mean, yes, they're tugging at your heartstrings there, and they're trying to make that be a reason that you like the story. But is that inherently bad? I don't, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It's not inherently bad. I think there's just certain ways of doing. It. Like, I I think my example works. Uh, the example I gave for me is that that you know, searching the emotional manipulation is set up so that we have this through line for the story where the Pixar films are. We have the entire you know thing just happen right at the front. And the movie will then remind you of it when it's deemed necessary.
2: I, yeah, I, will, I mean, I'll definitely say that Searching did it better than Up. <laughs> Good, we're on the same page. <laughs> but, like, I think at the end, like, the goal of them, I, I guess if, you, if you're not pessimistic or if you're, if you're not cynical about it, the goal of them could have been the same. Maybe it wasn't, and maybe they were just trying to to get audience retention and, and things of that sort. I couldn't say, mm-hmm. but but like I said, I I, th- I do think a big part of that movie is is supposed to be life goes on, and I and I do think that it's the emotional payoff that's kind of similar to Searching has something to do with with the old man, the crotchety old man's like new relationships with the kid and the the what's the the emu things named Roger or whatever. Oh, well, whatever
1: yeah, yes, yeah, some the animal, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um,
0: the pink flamingo or the the, the multicolored flamingo, right? Yeah,
2: and then like the dog, whatever the dog's name ends up being. Um, but I like, and I think also like the whole the whole house flying and going to wherever he was trying to go, like that was also something that was related to to his relationship with his wife. So like that movie, like yeah, sure, it, it's it's definitely trying to evoke emotion there, but. It's trying to evoke emotion in the sense that like, he, he was essentially going to end his life. like He he was more or less committing suicide by putting himself somewhere that he wouldn't be able to get resources. Because he was trying to travel to wherever this place was that, that him and his wife wanted to go. Sure. And then instead he ends up creating relationships with people and, and determining that life, maybe life should go on without his wife, if I remember right. And again, again it's been a long time since I've seen it. So I, I don't know that there's no payoff for it. If that makes sense.
1: No, no, yeah. And I, I see what you're saying. And yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat that I would need to watch these Pixar movies again or for the first time to get more uh, thoughts on it. Absolutely. Um, but I, I think I think it also goes back to what Zach said where it is it is like it – that is Pixar's almost mission statement is that the, any movie they make is we have to have this hardcore emotional heartstrings being pulled type of thing. And that—that's also an issue that I have with it, where it's like, why can't I just get a fun animated movie type of thing? Why so, do I have well, to feel sh- bad at a certain point during it?
2: Sure, and and I I can kind of agree with that, but at the same time, I mean, like DreamWorks exists or or did? Do they still exist? Um, I think and and so, like somewhere. <laughs> so I mean, it's not in in no way is Pixar required to release movies that fit any particular. Uh, fill any particular need, I guess. Sure. And and P- if Pixar has decided that the the need it wants to fill is like fill, not f- feel, I, I get anyway. If, if Pixar has decided that that's the need it wants to fill is that it wants to create these like emotionally cathartic movies, I'm not against that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I wouldn't say like and I and I guess I would ca- I would be more into calling it emotionally manipulative if it worked on me. Sure, sure. In to like Finding Nemo, like the the whole his mom dies like that didn't stick with me other than it's the reason his dad is so overprotective Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like and then at the end i think the payoff is that his his dad learns to trust him to some degree something like that i haven't seen that movie in a long time um but like it's not it's not as if there's no payoff and it's it's not as if the whole time i felt like particularly bad i mean most of the time i watch that movie i'm you know laughing at the stoner turtles and and
1: Touch, you know, the of... touch the butt, touch the butt. Right, you
2: know, touching the butt.
1: Saved your life! Oh, you guys made me eat! <laughs> What's that? I know what that is. Oh, oh, Sandy Plankin saw one. He, call- he said it was called uh, a butt. Oh,
3: wow, that's a pretty big butt.
0: Oh, look at me! I'm gonna go touch the butt! <coughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: going downtown, biting that butt, you know, all <laughs> those <bait> things. <laughs> so I I don't know. I guess I, I, I see where you're coming from, but I, I would be, I would want to be more discerning in what I called straight up manipulative versus just evoking emotion in the story. Because I yeah, do fair, think fair. that evoking emotion, like I said, that's like one of the prime motives of stories and, and teaching people how to, how to live with emotions, etc. So, I mean, I I don't know. I think that stories if, if they're going to continue to serve the purpose that they have evolutionarily, you're going to get that.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, fair. I know, I see, I see what you're saying. I guess uh, also in the, just like I mentioned before, that where this is coming from for me is that I hear people regularly say, like, you know, like, I I, I have legitimately heard someone say, like, if you watch a Pixar movie and you aren't crying at the beginning, you are not, like, a, a good person type of thing. And that's that's where I'm just like, go well, like, calm the fuck down, you know, that type of thing.
2: <laughs> okay yeah that's that's real strange i'm not yes
1: that's where i'm getting the that's where i feel i i feel it. think i think it's emotionally manipulative because you have people who like i said they seem to be like voluntarily choosing not to realize that it's a formulaic approach to evoking emotion and then they defend it in some weird sense
2: oh uh, and, and yeah i mean but it being formulaic again isn't inherently bad no yeah so, not
1: or... not at all i mean but uh that's that's uh what Pixar has become, is that formula sure. you know, they know how to do it. And it's not always well, at the beginning. I'm thinking of Toy Story 3 as well, where they're just like, okay, we're going to stop dead in our tracks and say that, like, all our characters are going to get put into an incinerator, and they just hold on that so the audience can cry. And it's like they know what they're doing, you know? Sure, sure. Uh, and that one, I would say, is even even more... I, I would lean
2: towards that being emotionally manipulative even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it And if you... If you know that people have the opinion that Pixar movies make you cry, and that's why we go watch them, et cetera, et cetera, then yes, you you are definitely opening yourself up to being that kind of emotionally manipulative, and perhaps that is that is what's happening there at, in Toy Story
1: Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's a good point. That people have become like familiar with this idea or their expectation that Pixar is going to make them cry. And it's like I just imagine it's like that scene in Synecdoche, New York, where Philip Seymour Hoffman puts tear substitute in his eye and pretends to cry where people are doing that, like in the middle of Toy Story three. And they're like, this movie's so good. And it's like we we're watching you fake tears.
2: (laughs) Well, and, you know, that that's also a good point that people are it's kind of strange. And I found myself in a similar boat for a while where it's like the fact that I can experience emotions somehow makes me better or yes. Yes, And, and, And that's like. And I totally experienced that, you know, and, and that part of that probably comes from from discussions of toxic masculinity and such where it's like, oh, men are, are really encouraged not to feel emotions. And now for a man to be able to feel an emotion, like somehow that makes them like more
1: yeah
0: uh,
2: evolved or something. And like, yeah, so so definitely like there is room for abuse there. But if it's done right, I, I, I guess that's the thing is I think some of them probably are manipulative and some of them mm-hmm. are not. Mm-hmm. And um, or. I would just want to be more discerning.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not like an across-the-board type of thing. It's a case-by-case basis. But the the bringing up, like, the the men crying thing is always that – yeah, for, there's some people who definitely think, like, that's a sign of, or a positive thing to say. It's like, oh, I cried at that, you know, aren't I, look at me, aren't I, like, emotionally vulnerable? Doesn't that give me some points? I do have to say, you made me think of one of my favorite internet jokes that I've seen, where it's something like, I told my girlfriend that I'd never seen The Lion King before, so when we sat down to watch it, she was like, oh, we better get the tissues. And the, <laughs> and the guy then says, why would I jack off to animated lions? <laughs>
0: Definitely, and I'm like that's I, a, I, a, I'm like that's I a like good that joke,
1: joke about like oh you're gonna cry during the Lion King so we need tissues be like what do I need tissue? I'm not gonna jack off to the Lion King <laughs>
2: <laughs> so this isn't porn is it
1: but but yeah that that's a that's something I didn't think of that I hear these these you know, like other men go it's like man it's like I cry at these Pixar movies like that makes me a real man type they don't say that explicitly but that's what I get as it comes across as and it's like no that's and definitely what
2: they're experiencing yeah
1: and i'm not i mean like i i'm still of that in that thing where it's like the movies that i cry at it's like i don't really want to tell anybody about it because they're so strange i mean like i I cried in an animated movie very recently but it was the uh the sylvain chaumet illusionist movie that that ending is very very sad and i think that's a really important thing that it made me cry because there's no dialogue in that film they do it made me emotional just through pantomime and what was going on but it's like i explained that to people and they're like oh yeah you know you it's like like, three words. Like, the girl at the end of The Illusionist opens up a letter that says, magicians don't exist. And I'm like, oh my god, this fucking hits me so hard. But then people are like, oh yeah, like, up? And it's like, no! There's a completely different status between me crying at the end of a movie and being front-loaded
2: by emotion. Sure. Well, and and yeah, for that, I totally agree. Like, I, I cried at the end of uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. <laughs> sure! <laughs> like, and and that's totally, like, I don't know, That's that's a different situation. Like, that was... That was emotional payoff that made me cry there, and that mm-hmm. that is absolutely something different than like here's a sad thing that humans experience. This was like you know Edward Elric beat the universe at its own game. Sure, and sure. figured out how to. anybody but he had to give up a big part of who he was to do so. And it's like that that was emotionally cathartic, or or mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know maybe I don't know if that's the word.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's it's definitely a case by case basis. And and I think what we're all saying is that it is very much like a personal thing. Like, you know, some people are going to cry at certain things while others aren't. Um, You know, some people might cry at the Lion King. Some people might jack off to it. It's a case by case basis. <laughs> but but when uh, I think this all started with like with the Pixar thing of like this is what Pixar does, what it should do, and if you don't cry at it, you are weird or different in some way. That's I think we can all agree is a problem. Where it's like, no, let people be emotional about different things. Like I don't know, maybe somebody cries during like a Marvel movie. Not everybody, but maybe somebody does, and that's fine. But if you're going into something with this expectation of like, oh, you have to feel sad. It's like, no, I don't have to feel anything.
0: You're the weirdest Shrek conversation ever.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, I cry every time. I
0: laughed. <laughs> I laughed when Donkey made a no- joke about waffles.
1: I cry every time I think about the fact that Sylvain Chome has lost three Academy Awards to Pixar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I laughed when Shrek farted, which is pretty much the runtime of the film.
1: Can can I say I did like I mentioned before I did laugh when Shrek wake uh, shakes Fiona awake I was like that's I'm like that's good fun I'm totally on board with that I also thoroughly enjoyed at the end of the movie when Shrek shows up to the wedding and Lord, Lord Farquaad has the line it's rude enough being alive when no one wants you but showing up uninvited to a wedding I was like okay that's a successful very negative joke and I was all about that. <laughs> What are you doing here? Really? It's rude enough being alive when no one
0: wants you, but showing up uninvited to a wedding. Fiona.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. I have to agree. That was a good joke.
1: Yeah. So like I said, I mean, I'm not, I'm not pulling like a, I, ne- I didn't laugh once and this movie has no merit. Like I, I giggled at some things. That's fine. But I think a lot of it does fall completely flat. Like I said, the Eddie Murphy stuff comes off to me as improv. That doesn't really work. I I think that like a lot of the, the jokes in air quotes are just the references that we already discussed. And also, you know, I mean, there's there's nothing to me. Like, at the beginning of the movie, I was like, I get it. Shrek is gross. Shrek is different. Fine. You don't have to keep explaining this to me. And it's it's just like what, can, what can I... going for it? Hold on, I don't Speaking think of... you got it though. Do you know how different he was? He, he was really different. He was so can I Okay, one thing I wanted to mention is I if there's an iconic line or scene from the Shrek franchise, from what I've seen on the internet, it is the ogres are like onions they have layers like i feel like that gets referenced and memed so often and i fucking hate that scene in this movie because i'll put the clip in and this is how it goes
2: for your information there's a lot more to ogres than people think example example okay um ogres
0: are like onions (laughs) They stink? Yes. No. Oh, they make you cry? No. Oh, you leave them out in the sun, they get all brown, start sprouting little white hairs. No.
2: Layers. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers.
1: Onions have layers. You get it. We both have layers. (sighs) Uh, Like Shrek says to Donkey, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. And Donkey says, give me an example. And Shrek's response is, Ogres are like onions, they have layers. That is not an example. Shrek just rephrases his statement. And it's always bothered me about it. Like, Donkey is like, well, how, how are you complex? What don't I know about you? And Shrek goes, I am complex, like an onion. He's not saying anything. That scene is so fucking dumb, and people latch onto it like it's the most emotionally or insightful line in the franchise or in cinematic history. And it comes across as stupid. Like, the writers didn't even realize what they were doing by just cut out... Donkey saying, give me an example, like, tell me more about you, Shrek, cut that out, and then the line works. But Shrek actively chooses to be like, Donkey, fuck you, I'm not going to answer your question, I'm going to rephrase my thing. Where it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, can you give me, I can't even think of a good example, this infuriates me so much. But it's not a good line of dialogue, but that's the thing people stick with, they're like, onions have layers. And it's like, in the actual scene, it's the stupidest bit of writing. And it drives me fucking crazy that that's what lasts for this movie.
2: I understand what you're talking about. I mean, I felt the same way when he says, give me an example. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. You probably have. You're talking to somebody, they say something and you're just like, tell me more. And then they're just like really vague statement. And you're like, that's not more like, why am I talking to you? At, at this point, like you obviously <laughs> don't want to have an actual conversation with me. So why don't you just go away? Yes, yes. It makes stop. me
1: think of the the – I'm sure every everybody's experienced it when like someone will say something to you and then your response will be what? And then they, they don't realize that you're saying what in the sense of like why would you say that to me? They think you're saying what in the sense of I didn't hear you. And it's like you're wasting time. You're spinning your wheels type of thing, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like or if it's someone like it's like uh, it's like, oh, you have to go to a neurologist. And then the person will be like, what? And they'll be like a neurologist, a person that works on brains. It's like you fucking moron. I know what a neurologist is. I'm asking you what in like what made you come to that conclusion or something like that, where right. it's just it's it's like spinning your wheels. And once again, this, I, this scene drives me crazy that people are like, oh. Like, they're like onions, they have layers, it's so deep. And I'm like, it makes no sense, it seems so shoehorned into the movie. But, they, parfait. <laughs> well, parfait is what, the best food in existence, he says something like that?
0: <laughs> and, cake. Cakes have layers.
1: Cakes have layers, and he's like, no, ogres are like onions. <laughs> like and I'm onions. like, I mean, I would like, but here's, here's the other thing that also has always bothered me about that line. It is true that onions have layers, but unless you have a crazy fucking onion that I've never seen, every layer's the same. It's not like you get through a few layers of onion and you get to a carrot. You get to more onion. So what the hell is the point of saying, oh, I'm very complex like an onion. If you dig past my exterior, you're going to get to the same interior. What is this analogy?
2: <laughs> well, and to that point, parfait is a better example. Yes! Because when yes! you get through one layer you're at a different layer.
1: exactly and so and i have and i have no i have no respect for this movie to make me think that that's the joke that you know donkey's the one saying the correct thing and shrek is doubling down on something incorrect i honestly believe that they're like fuck it fuck it here we go <laughs> i can't i cannot stand that that line has become so iconic with shrek and it is one of the worst bits of dialogue in this film where most of the dialogue is vacuous and i'm just like fine where it just it goes in one ear and out the other, like it's just to move the plot along where it's a reference that, you know, it's like, oh, do you remember that like WWE exists or The Matrix exists? Sure. The dating game, whatever. Where this is like an actively bad piece of writing, and that's what people take from this movie. I don't like this movie. Do you guys – did you guys pick Clearly. Clearly.
0: <laughs> clearly Rob doesn't like this movie. So I in mean, case, I, Ron, do you like
1: this movie? I, I, this a 10 out of 10 American masterpiece. <laughs> But, I mean, also, just on the the other things, like, I, I honestly, like, there's, I don't like the—I've said the Eddie Murphy thing. I think the de- the design of Fiona and a lot of the humans in this movie doesn't look good. I think it definitely falls into Uncanny Valley for me. I, I think that it looks exactly like Cameron Diaz.
0: <laughs> Ben's like, you are wrong, Rob. <laughs>
1: I I cannot stand Cameron Diaz's voice acting in this film. Uh, I think it is so so it misses the mark. I I honest I hate the score. The score that isn't just pop music. It definitely seems like they had temp music and they were like fuck it. That's good enough. Like why pay anybody to actually you know compose something? Rob
0: Rob, Rob 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 Rob. Did you know how they put the Smash Mouth music in this? What do you mean how? Like it was it, a temp. It was a temp track. Yeah. Oh they yes. Kept yes. It, in.
1: it was temp that they kept. Absolutely. And I'm just like, oh my god. I think none of the none of that damn soundtrack works. Like, like I feel like the music doesn't fit the scene. Like in the scene where Shrek fights the dragon, like before Donkey and the dragon like have their little romantic moment when Shrek is like actively trying to fight it, the music is very triumphant. It's like the music that should come after they've defeated the dragon. It like a lot of the music seems out of place to me. And, I mean, I, I, there's so much on the movie-making level of this that I really, like, don't enjoy, not just this other stuff. As far as the goofy animation for, like, Shrek, I'm fine with that. I do think Donkey's design is horrible, like I've mentioned, but all the humans don't work for me, except Lord Farquaad, because he's supposed to look weird and pronounced with the big chin and whatnot. Also, I hate seeing the magic mirror in this movie, because the magic mirror design from the original Snow White is already something I consider a perfect design, and I hate that they mess with it. (laughs) I don't know if you guys knew that about me, that I love the design of the magic mirror. I love pretty much all of the art from the original Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and I hate seeing it it, (laughs) taken away from me. (laughs) Interesting. But I mean, there's so, there's so much that, like, doesn't work in this movie for me. I mean, probably my favorite bit in this movie, my favorite, like, voice acting, which is probably the, the, I might be the only person with this opinion. My favorite performance in this movie is Vincent Cassell as Monsieur Robin Hood. And I love him, cause he's, he's a great actor. I mean, if anybody doesn't remember or know who Vincent Cassell is, he's the guy that dances through a bunch of lasers in Ocean's 12 to, uh, Taea menth. a fun scene but he's actually a good actor other than in that movie but then when he starts doing his like singing and stuff with uh his merry men they do like irish clog stomping and there's no there's nothing irish about robin hood or his merry men especially when they have a french actor doing a french accent for monsieur robin hood they're just doing irish clog or irish storm dancing step dancing whatever it's called because it's like don't you know that this thing exists and that's another example of that and it's it's just it's such a weird confluence of things that doesn't come together that people have the nostalgia bug for like we've been talking about. But it's just it's just very little worked for me on this rewatch, which I was I was really trying to find things that I could latch on to, and it ended up being two. The Fiona being shaken awake and the it's rude enough being alive when no one wants you.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's pretty fucking funny. So.
1: Yes. I, I guess the other thing I did like is that during the end credits They play a Baja Men song, but it's not who let the dogs out. And that's a very interesting choice to play a Baja Men song that isn't the only song anybody knows by them. (laughs) Sure. Oh, God. I mean, mean, the other thing I have to say is, uh, I don't know if you guys watched this far into the credits. In the special thanks section of the Shrek credits, Hans Zimmer gets a credit. Which is very strange to me. I have no idea why. Like Hans Zimmer has nothing to do with this movie, except from what you can research, other than he gets a special thanks. So uh, I, I just found that very strange. That's that is really weird. So I mean, maybe this is Hans Zimmer's favorite movie. <laughs> that would be
3: weird.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean what I mean what else is there to talk about with Shrek in the actual movie? I mean, I guess for you guys, was there anything other than the two I mentioned that you, you found entertaining? I mean, I know before we you rewatched it, Ben, you said something, I think the last time we talked, where you were like, the last time you watched it, I think you said even in this recording, in your early 20s, you found some enjoyment in it. And I know that changed for this, but do you remember like any of your thoughts from previous viewings?
2: I mean, I definitely liked the the scene where, where that song, like, I don't give a damn about my reputation, is playing.
1: Okay, okay. I yep. I,
2: I like that just mainly because I like that song, I think. Uh But I, I don't know like like at some point I thought it was funny I guess mm-hmm. and like I don't know mm-hmm. it just didn't didn't stick.
0: I I like the scene where basically we have the mike with the little uh, me- oh god mascot for Dulan Dulan Dulaq and and like he's just running through the little queue line and Shrek just walks right through the queue oh, line sure. just walks, p- okay. pulling like the, the velvet rope with him. That's amusing, but like like again it's amusing. There's moments that are amusing, but overall it's just kind of like. It feels very boilerplate. Like, it's it's very safe. It's basically, it was ahead of the curve. That is the only reason why it was appealing, is that it appealed to people before they knew what they wanted. So as a piece of marketing product, it might be brilliant. (laughs) But as a form of, like, entertainment and cinema, I would say it's lackluster.
1: Okay. Okay. I don't
0: think it's objectively bad. I think it's lackluster as, like, a cultural
1: milestone. Yeah, I, I would agree lackluster is a great word for it. I, I think also this is, um, uh, to go to one of our favorite places on the internet. The, uh, the, what we know now is not the bastard of truth. The IMDb trivia page for Shrek. Um, it's fairly long, of course. A lot of it is just copy and pasted from other articles or the Wikipedia page about, you know, like, Chris Farley did the voice, you, or originally was the voice, blah, 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 all this stuff. But the, It's something I haven't seen, I don't think I've ever seen on IMDb Trivia, where the IMDb Trivia effects devolve into literally explaining jokes in the movie, which is the weirdest thing. Like, there is an IMDb Trivia effect that explains, like, details that when Shrek and Donkey go to Duloc and they listen to the Welcome Song... That the welcome the little character singing the welcome song, you think they're going to say clean your shoes and wipe your ass, but they say something different. Like the the trivia fact is a literal explanation of the joke. And I'm like, wow. what? I'm like, what is this? Like, this is insane to me that this exists as a fact. As a trivia fact, at least. I don't think I've ever seen that on a movie before. That they're just like, this is the innuendo that a little kid might not have realized. Anybody who's like has enough agency to go to the IMDb trivia page and read about Shrek, I would imagine they have enough knowledge to get that joke as well. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean to be fair, I, I did need that joke explained. I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah it's it's a it's a joke sure That
1: that's another thing that I found commonly in the uh the retrospectives and the things that really talk shrek up is that they say that it's like it's very funny because it contains a lot of innuendos And I'm like, I don't think that inherently makes anything funny. I think innuendos are just a form of comedy. But one of the examples they I've read a lot that they cite as an innuendo is when Shrek and Donkey show up to Duloc. They say like, wow, this is a big castle. And Shrek says, it seems like he's compensating for something. And they're like, that's a great innuendo joke. And I'm like, I don't think that's innuendo. I think that's just a turn of phrase. Like, like a, that seems like a very strange thing to pick up on as, like, referencing the innuendo or the, the adult humor in this movie. But I don't think the internet understands how to handle this movie in any way, shape, or form, so there's that, too. I don't know. I
2: guess I don't know the distinction between turn of phrase and innuendo. Isn't innuendo, like, turn of phrase that... Specifically refers to sexuality. Well, something. sure,
1: sure. But I mean, if you say like, if you say like, oh, someone has a fancy car, they might they must be compensating for something. Is the innuendo in that fact is that the something is not stated? I'm like, not what really is, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it seems so commonplace that an innuendo would be more like you know. They're, they're talking about, uh, they're making some reference to, to somebody's gen, I don't know, I mean, I can't think of another good example, this is the problem, I didn't take notes on anything, like, lines from this movie, really, because they're so vacuous, but, but I don't know, it just seems strange to me that, well, one, that that line gets cited, but two, I think the bigger importance is that people say, oh, this movie's really funny because it contains innuendo. There's so many movies and cartoons that have contained innuendo before this and after this. I I don't think that's anything unique to this movie. And none of like, I don't think there's anything inherently about these innuendo or sexual jokes that would make it funny. It's the same thing as saying, I don't think toilet humor is funny, but this movie relies on that heavily too. And so it's just, it's just a weird thing. But once again, like my hypothesis was people are grasping at straws to say what makes this movie a masterpiece so they can get clicks on their, their websites and stuff like that.
0: I think it comes down to people just want to explain why they enjoy something instead
1: of just letting it be like, oh, I enjoy this. They feel they have to give it some sort of,
0: like, yeah. qualitative measurement. It's like, it's like, no, that's not how comedy works. Enjoy it because you like it. Yeah. Or unless you can explain it in culturally relevant terms. Otherwise, just kind of just be quiet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's stupid nonsense that I love, and I can't explain it other than I really enjoy it. And that's fine, you know? But it's it's this weird thing of, like... Like I said, all this vacuousness that goes with the writing of Shrek on the internet, where they're like the they're like the writing and the jokes are careful, smart, and funny, and I'm like, why? And it's like, sh- cause Shrek. That's why. And it's like that's not an explanation. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, it's it's. I guess it's I don't really thing, know right.
2: what a careful, what careful writing would be
1: yeah yeah it's a very vacuous term also in and of itself absolutely and it's it's just like i like i said everything i read about like why shrek is a masterpiece these retrospectives seems like they needed to fit they were hitting word quotas it definitely seemed like which is it's always tough if you really like something to explain it like i know like i I feel like you know you don't always have to do that but i i honestly feel that you know like for example ben when we did beverly hills cop we weren't just like we don't like this movie we had examples and explained why we thought that was not a good movie and I feel like you know it might be easier to do for negative things but I feel like it's almost you know it's a good thing to be able to do if that makes sense like there's a difference saying I don't like something and then just saying you know, like oh and it's bad or whatever but then it's it, it's always kind of good to be able to, like oh I don't like something for these reasons type of thing yeah goddamn Shrek <laughs> <sighs> are you guys Shrek'd out are you gonna watch it again tonight? I am
0: I still got to watch Shrek 3, 4, Puss in Boots, and the musical.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I I honestly think we should have done an episode on Beatrix Potter's The World of Peter Rabbit and Friends, The Tale of Mrs. Tiggy Winkle and Mr. Jeremy Fisher, and other stories. That just screams masterpiece to me.
2: <laughs> I mean, just based on the word count and the title.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I guess uh, I think that was it I had for Shrek. I mean, it's not... I definitely didn't enjoy watching it. I don't think I'll ever watch it again, and I don't want to watch... I, I mean, this it's one of those things where it's like, people want to watch it, and this might be where I finally put my foot down, where I'm like, no, if you want to watch this, I will go do something else type of stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had nothing else about Shrek uh, in, the, in the movie. Anything, I mean... I guess to ask Ben, if you liked Shrek when you were younger, do you, do you remember seeing, like, the sequels? Did you watch any of those? Because I don't think I've yeah. ever seen any of them.
2: I watched them in, in, at the time in my early okay. 20s with my uh, then-girlfriend, Sam, and... She loved them. I don't think that they were
1: great. Okay, okay.
2: I didn't like the Prince Charming character, if I
1: remember right. Okay, and Zach will get back to us uh, in some future episode after he's consumed the entire Shrek franchise.
0: (laughs) I'm just going to take all those DVDs, just blend them into like a shake, and just drink (laughs) them.
1: (laughs) Shrek would like that. Shards of glass, he'd probably eat that, right? I Um, hope so. Oh, God, oh, God. So, yeah, I mean, if there's if there's nothing else about Shrek, are we uh, ready for our questions?
0: I mean, yeah, I guess I'm ready.
1: Okay. I I just want, ben I is going to be like, like no.
0: <laughs> I just want to point out the box office of this franchise. Okay, okay. Um, because if you look at the Shrek franchise, like, the first one comes out in 2001. Duh. And it essentially makes $267 million in 2001, okay. which is a lot. And then three years later... The next one comes out, obviously Shrek 2, and it makes $919 billion – I'm sorry, $919 million worldwide. That is crazy. Which is is almost a half a billion dollars more worldwide than the first one did.
1: Yeah, that's insane.
0: And then – exactly. And then three years later, you have Shrek the Third, which actually makes less internationally. It makes about like uh, $120 million less. But a domestic box office, it takes a $200 million plunge. It actually makes less money than the first Shrek does. Mm -hmm. And then three years later, you have Shrek Forever After, which was technically the last one for now. And that one makes $265 million, which is in the US, which is God, $150 million less. And it makes only around $50 million less worldwide than the others. And then you have, like, basically the year after that, you have Puss in Boots. Which makes over half a billion dollars worldwide. So, like this was always like, this was a cash cow. Yep. Like these yep. films all like, like they might not have made as much money. Like Shrek two set the like the barrier really high. Mm-hmm. But like man, like these movies made money. They made bank.
1: Yeah, and and it was it maybe another reason. Now that you mentioned that Zach, the whole Puss in Boots phenomenon is as I, do you guys remember that the Gingerbread Man character was like Walmart's mascot in commercials for a while? No. I'm pretty sure I remember, like, like Walmart, straight-up Walmart commercials with the gingerbread man from Shrek, like, doing things in the commercial. This is a
0: very important job we have here,
1: Genji. I know it. We're here to make sure people have a great experience
0: at Walmart. Got it. Make them feel welcome. Check. Make them feel at home. Right on. Make them want to come back again. You take the adults. I got the kids. So what do you say to them? I say, hey, kids, welcome to Walmart. I like the emotion. Not too over the top. Not for a cookie. Yeah,
1: well, I've done a little acting on the side.
0: You ready to go to work?
1: Let's hit it. Think my size is a problem? You're as big as you think you are. Maybe that's another reason that the memes became so prevalent is because they they shoved Shrek like iconography down our throats for so long, in the form of other commercials and things like that. And so, I don't know, maybe I just, that just flooded back into my mind that I remember seeing the gingerbread man promoting Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's crazy how much money these, uh, how long was, because I would imagine Shrek 2 was the highest grossing animated movie at the time. Like, how long did that reign last? Because it had to be outgrossed by like, nine Nine years, wow, okay. By Frozen, Frozen. Ah, that makes sense, yeah. I knew it had to be one of those actually
0: i'm trying to think i think shrek 2 like internationally uh frozen became the highest grossing film of all like of all time like on a worldwide basis okay but in the u.s or domestic whatever you want to call it it basically i think i don't know how much how much money did frozen 2 make i, was like, I gotta look that up so i'm not 60, sure how much frozen
1: 68 made. trillion dollars <laughs>
0: I made a lot of money.
1: Yeah, though yeah, I knew it, it had to be 9 years is a pretty good run. I, I knew it had to be something like uh, a Pixar or a Disney or um, you know, one Pretty of much.
0: More okay, ones. the highest the highest grossing animated film um, right now I'm
1: pretty sure, okay, because IMDb
0: is garbage. It doesn't tell me like anything anymore. Um yeah, like IMDb is just a disaster when it comes to like anything how it's laid out. But um no, Arc-2 eventually got beat in 2016 by Finding Dory. That's with 14 uh, years of inflation.
1: Okay, yeah, Finding Dory was huge. But now, of course, yeah. we know that the highest-grossing animated movie is Avengers Endgame. That is an animated movie. Ta- ta- technically. Yeah, technically. I mean, are you telling me that Thanos is a real actor? <laughs> you telling me that they have a raccoon that actually talks? Fucking garbage animated nonsense. Well, no, I like animation, so I can't say that. <laughs> oh, God. I think the the last thing I then have to say about Shrek is uh, is... I like I mentioned earlier, I had a tough time, like actually starting this movie. Um, I watched it two nights ago at the, uh, the time of this recording. And I started it pretty late. I think around like 11pm because I was going to start it earlier. But I was like, Oh my god, I don't want to watch this. Uh, but when I eventually did, I got through maybe 50 minutes of the movie. And I definitely had a thought, Zach, where I was like, what is going to be my uh, my death kiss for this? Like, am I going to watch Odd Sack 50 uh-huh. minutes into this? But what ended up happening was, as I was watching this, so around like 11.50, maybe midnight, depending on when I exactly started it, I, I just heard—this was a Thursday night—I just heard, like, a crazy amount of people talking, like, very, very clearly. And I was like, okay, clearly outside my apartment, like, nobody materialized in my apartment or anything. But I was like, what is this? Like, what's going on? And I looked outside, like, my window— And there must have been, like, 20 people just congregated right outside of my apartment, like, talking and screaming. Like, and at the point where all of them were talking so much I couldn't make out what they were saying. I have no idea why these people were here. I, I've never seen this many people, you know, usually it's like, oh, if it's a near a weekend or late at night, whatever, you might have some people walking through the apartment complex, whatever. I But this many people just standing there. They weren't going anywhere, it seemed. They were just standing outside my apartment just talking, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And so I'm watching them. I'm actively thinking this is more interesting than Shrek, but at the same time, I'm hoping they don't, like, you know, rush into my apartment or something because I had not invited anyone over. But as I'm watching these group of people just, like, outside of my apartment... One of my neighbors just starts screaming at them because one of them had like parked in their spot because we have like assigned parking spots. And so at a certain point, just you heard, you would hear like someone go, Whose fucking car is this? And all these twenty people go silent and like, who the fuck parked in my spot? And this is like at midnight on a Thursday, and I'm like, this is wildly more interesting than Shrek. <laughs> and then, and then they all just like walked deeper into my apartment complex, and, I, and they never came back. So I had no idea why this happened, but that was what happened in the middle of me watching Shrek for this recording. <laughs> so that was that was the doozy of a, of a time that I had on Thursday night.
0: I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah. And yeah. That is a more engaging story, and it's far less emotionally manipulative. <laughs> One of
1: them was like, "Who the fuck parked in my spot? Who the fuck is in my whose car is in my spot? I need to park my car here. My wife just died. My wife had a miscarriage." <laughs> 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 so yeah, that was that was what happened on Thursday night, and I have no I have no information. I probably will never get more information about, about that. <laughs> So I guess then, if there's nothing else, it brings us to our questions. Um, I don't think it's any surprise what I'm gonna say. I'm going no to cinemodities and late night. I I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch it with anybody for late night. And uh, there's there's nothing special about this uh, to make it a cinemodity. I feel. So I'm going no to both. What do you guys think about on uh, for cinemodities and late night?
2: I I have to agree with you. It's not odd, and I don't want to watch it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fair, fair. And now, Zach, what mental hoops do you have to uh what what sound clip goes in the spreadsheet for this one? <laughs> late late late
0: night movie no. Cinemodity, yes, but because it's a movie that was designed, was curated, manufactured from hatred. Uh, that, it should that's... never be watched. But I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a cinemoddy because it's a film born out of hatred for something else. It's, it fits the Doctor Sleep mold. Yeah, that's I fair. Think that's why it's just, That's why I think it's a cinematic.
1: We've set that precedent. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I guess. The but no, you should not is, watch it. It's something. No, no bueno. Don't. The, watch. I guess the uh, the total recall precedent of if a movie is wildly successful, can it be a Cinemodity? This doesn't fall exactly in. To the Total Recall financial thing, but it can like this movie has become a, like a mainstay of the internet, you know. That, so it has reached some level of success. Does that preclude it from becoming a cinema?ty
0: I think we've ever since the Total Recall precedent, which was set very early on in, yes. this, in the
1: podcast history, over three years ago now. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes, but I think the thing is, the thing that makes us different is that it was a film born out of hatred. Sure. Anything that okay. any sort of film that comes like it's just like has a malevolent just like aura around it towards something else i think makes it on the max and moddy. okay that's
1: that's a that's something a born fair from hatred yes yes okay okay well then i think uh, that brings us to snacks and before we list some snacks i want to talk about how we had some food tie-ins relating to Shrek. And the ones I want to specifically talk about was a Baskin-Robbins tie-in to promote the home video release of this movie later in 2001.
0: I'm so glad you brought it up, but continue.
1: Okay, so so from what I found, the the Wikipedia page only lists one of these, but if you do any, like, tiny amount of research, you could find that there's more than what the Wikipedia page lists. And so I found, like, a press release from Baskin-Robbins that explained their four... Uh, tie-in things, and so the four tie-in things that Baskin Robbins for Shrek's uh, home- VHS and DVD release was Shrek's Hot Sludge Sunday. So I want to I want to pause right here. Do you guys get it that it is a Hot Sludge Sunday?
0: What well, you're now- trying to say, Rob, is that Shrek shit on the ice cream. <laughs>
1: That would be wonderful. You get the Baskin Robbins, like, employee training video on how to make this thing, and it's like, and then you take your pants down, and you shit on the ice cream and hand it to the customer. (laughs) But no, okay, so everybody, I want to make sure everybody's aware of this. A common dessert treat is a hot fudge sundae. They have a hot sludge sundae. So they have taken the F from fudge and replaced it with the S and the L and they sound similar. Are we all on the same page with this? Ben is so confused right
0: now. <laughs> oh, it's not just Ben.
1: Can you repeat that again? What, what is
0: fudge and how, what it's relation to sludge? I'm so, confused. Okay. So
1: fudge is a, a form of chocolate. I think it maybe it's a dairy product that can be heated up to a consistency that is near liquid. And Some people find that good when put on the cold dessert known as ice cream. Now, sludge is a negative thing that takes the form of a liquid. Like, sludge could be garbage or something along those lines. But as we've established, with I mean, okay, no, this might add other layers. Does everybody understand that Shrek likes gross things? Because sludge is a gross thing. And sludge I, I sounds similar to fudge. Sludge?
0: I don't see the connection.
1: <laughs> I don't see the connection. <laughs> sludge? Fudge. <laughs> sludge? Fudge. Okay, everybody, write in cinematics at gmail.com. Please explain this to Zach. <laughs> anyway, so Shrek's Hot Sludge Sunday was a hot fudge Sunday with gummy worms in it. Um, the Shrek's Swamp Fizz was ice cream with fizzing powder and lemon-lime soda, so I'm guessing it was like some type of float-slash-shake type of thing. The Shrek Swirl was green apple and grape sherbet with Pop Rocks, and then Shrek'd out chocolate mint ice cream was mint ice cream with green, goo-filled chocolate characters. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but those were the four things that you could get at Baskin-Robbins in late 2001. And I also want to mention that the uh, the Shrek's Hot Sludge Sunday, which was the Sunday with gummy worms, the press release I found specifically lists that as a Sunday with squiggly gummy worms. What that means, I'm not entirely sure, but apparently their marketing person was like, "We have to put squiggly in there." <laughs> so I, I found a page
2: with Shrek food tie-ins. There were toaster strudel, Twinkies, Kids Cuisine, some Kids some Heinz pasta. Uh, fruit roll-ups, gushers, Cheez-Its, vanilla wafers, Eggo's, <laughs> pizza rolls, a different kids' cuisine, waffle sticks, Dum-Dum Shrek pops. There were a lot.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, this was. This oh, there was a Shrek punch. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, this was. There's. There had to be so much food in the marketing related to this because I mean that the movie sets it up so well that the shtick is he eats weird stuff. And I mean I know. Did you say Heinz? Pasta? Some kind of pa-
2: yeah, some kind of pasta, like SpaghettiOs, but they were Shrek-shaped pasta. Oh,
1: okay, okay, okay. I would imagine that Heinz ketchup, because uh, I know there's, like, green, different colored ketchup. This yeah, seems like yeah. a perfect, like, Shrek's green ketchup yeah, or something like that. that's it. the thing.
2: Well, I, like, the Twinkies had, like, green filling. Yes, yes. So it's like you're brushing your teeth with a <laughs> With a blood. I don't know, man. That's a lot of different food things. I think there's more, but the the page is loading very slowly, so... <laughs> I'm just the, the
1: internet up. is actively trying to stop floating that page
2: <laughs> uh, can you blame
1: it no not at all but yeah i had to mention those because i i uh we haven't talked about food tie-ins in a while and um, one i was like oh yeah you know they just did the basic thing where they added gummy worms and stuff like that and they changed the name but also i hadn't thought about baskin robbins in so long until i found that that tie-in like when's the i i mean i i don't even know if baskin robbins still exists but i haven't been to one in fucking years
0: Rob, I'm so glad you brought this up, because in 2004, when Shrek 2 came out, my father and I went to Baskin Robbins, (laughs) and I actually tried the Shrek Swirl Sherbert.
1: Okay, okay.
0: I absolutely loved it. It was the (laughs) last time I've ever been to Baskin Robbins. I have not been to a Baskin Robbins since 2004, and i actually pains me that i can no longer get the shrek swirl sherbert. Okay, okay. cuz I'm, I'm looking at the 2004 press release and it says shrek charms and brings smiles to both adults and children alike, says Ken Kimmel, brand officer at Baskin Robbins. Might i say that might be a dream career of mine, <laughs> the brand officer at <laughs> Baskin Robbins? Because that might be the perfect connection for Cinematics.
1: Would you want to be, like, the uh, person that runs Baskin-Robbins' Twitter account in this day and age? No, 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 no. That's social media. No,
0: no, no. no. I want to be the person that goes to different movie studios, like, is the perfect snack person. Like, imagine putting in your resume for the brand officer at Baskin-Robbins. I run a completely realistic restaurant in Times Square (laughs) called Cinemati's, and I literally take the tab in the spreadsheet for snacks from the podcast— and submit that to them as my resume. Perfect.
1: Perfect. <laughs>
0: that is my snack, Rob. My snack is a combination of Shrek's, uh, Sherbert Swirl, the glasses that give you cancer. Yes. And that the tab in the spreadsheet labeled snacks is a resume for the brand officer at Baskin Robbins.
1: Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair. Yeah. That was going to be my lead. My tie in question of this is, do we want any of these food items at the restaurant? Um, and uh, guess Zach, if Shrek Swirl is that good, I mean, I would try it. Absolutely, I loved it. I loved it.
0: I, lo- I remember my father and I went there, and it was one of very few times my father was generous that we actually went because like they had some promotion that if you go there, you got like a free like cone. Yeah, and we both enjoyed our. He didn't get the same thing I got. He got something else. I obviously, me being the uh, slave to like cinema tie-ins <laughs> that I am. I immediately went for the Shrek flavor, but I loved it so much we actually went back and actually paid for more. That's how good it was.
1: Okay, okay. right on. The
0: marketing tie-in work, Rob. Good old yes. Ken Kimmel's gimmick. His, his <laughs> wares worked. He hocked his wares at me, and it worked. But sure. I do want noted that once again, two, three years later, Shrek's hot sludge Sunday was offered, and it says— Don't judge this worm top Sunday based on its looks alone. Oh, God. This scrumptious Sunday features one scoop of Oreo, restricted cookies and cream ice cream, hot fudge topping, crushed chocolate cookies, real whipped cream, not that fake stuff from a can, (laughs) and is topped with Shrek's favorite. Get ready for the plot twist, everybody. Ben, I want you. I want. (laughs) Well, of course. (laughs) But I want Ben to brace himself. Just plain gummy worms
1: not squiggly (laughs) no just
0: plain so clearly squiggly was not popular and they had to refine the formula oh my
1: god okay i you lost me at sludge can we revisit this again (laughs) (laughs)
0: let me me rephrase this shrek's hot shit (laughs) sunday where there's a little they they take the saucer machine and they put this little like cardboard facade on it, a Shrek down with his pants
1: the press release should totally read don't judge this uh, dessert treat or whatever you said by by how it looks or how it sounds unless you're stupid short midget you fucking idiot then you can't have this (laughs) you goddamn short loser feel bad about yourself (laughs) (laughs) oh god it's up on a high shelf so you need to be tall enough to reach it (laughs) Oh god! So I, on this topic of Shrek and his gross food, of course, there's so much gross food in this movie that we could pull from, and I was just like, no, I don't, I don't like. I don't like any of this. The one that I did like that I wanted to save for my snack is at one point, Shrek... I think it's to the villagers that are trying to run him out of the swamp at the beginning. But it's definitely in the beginning. Shrek mentioned something about eye jelly on toast. I oh. I am totally fine with that. Like, if we had people's eyes and we, like, squished jelly out of them and put that on toast... Like, it would be the Cinemates restaurant version of, like, avocado toast but with eye jelly... I am totally on board with that and I would try that as well. Cuz like I'm pretty sure you can eat eyes of other animals that's got to be like a delicacy in some country. Uh, so eye jelly on toast, I got nothing wrong with that. So that should definitely be added on there. All the others I was like that's I, I was like you get one shrek. You get one weird food item that I want to use from your movie.
0: <laughs> Bro, Rob saw all the different foods in this movie and he's like fuck you movie. <laughs>
1: I I guess to be fair, though, the other snack—or maybe not snack specifically, but something we should incorporate in the restaurant uh, is—it's not focused on, but there is a shot where you—a few shots in the the tower where Fiona's being kept, um, where I think they're running from the dragon and they're trying to escape the tower. You do get a few shots of—you can see that the dragon has a giant cookbook, like giant relative to our characters, not the dragon— a cookbook that shows choice cuts of of like nights and recipes on like how to cook nights like it is like a, a human cookbook that the dragon has, and I would love to get that cookbook and incorporate some of those recipes into the restaurant um because why not? I mean, I think we're already in some way eating humans in the restaurant, so why not you know at least have some some new recipes to add to that repertoire? <laughs> Rob, I have a question. can we eat the dragon? uh oh. Yeah, I wouldn't be against that. I would totally try a dragon, absolutely.
0: Or, or maybe try a tie. To- I know it's not until the second movie, but we do have the uh, thing of donkey fucking a dragon and them having hybrid yes. babies. Basically, yes. it's just a donkey
1: with wings.
0: I think we should have those on the menu.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, we've set the precedent. I'm pretty sure in some dinosaur episode we did, I say we need to eat dinosaurs. So we've set the precedent that we're eating imaginary creatures. So this works with dragons too.
0: <laughs> okay, and I want on record that if you Google, if you do a Google image search for Shrek Baskin Robbins, you get some fantastic
1: imagery. Uh, yeah, I did look at some of the pictures, um, and they're, they're 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 definitely uh early two thousands, you know, movie tie-ins with I food. Love it. it fits the I it fits it. the bill absolutely.
0: If anybody wants to know, like, there's like some graphics of like the marketing in store for like. Shrek in Baskin-Robbins. exactly. Strucking <laughs> out. Yeah, Ben is literally looking at the, the picture I'm looking at right now. If anybody wants to know why we we're spending like eight months of the podcast on this, that image of striking out is the reason why. This is a glorious time in American culture. <laughs> oh, they, they does say sludge.
3: That,
2: that
0: Whoa, ben, hold on, Ben's hold like, on. What is, what is that? What is <laughs> that?
2: That, uh,
1: that bears a striking resemblance to the word fudge. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, okay. I need, a, I need a. What's that? What's that service that they have now where you can like talk with therapists through text or chat? Like at time. I need, I need a professional to help me with this. <laughs> I'm I having, I'm having some joke. dark thoughts, therapist. What's what's going on? Tell oh me. Oh my! I can't under. What is the what is the connection between sludge and fudge? And they're like, in what context? <laughs> and you just give like twenty minute diatribe about the Baskin Robbins <laughs> Shrek tie <laughs> Okay. Rob, <laughs> I just saw this.
0: From Baskin Robbins in June, it was called— The thing that I went to was called Free Scoop Night. Okay. I didn't know was what it was called. Oh. oh Baskin, it was a local okay. promotion. It says, I see your popsicle and raise you Shrek Swirl from Baskin Robbins 2004. And the image is Free Scoop Night. It's a picture of the ice cream.
1: Okay. Okay. Free I Scoop Night. I love it. Night. Free We should scoop have that, night.
0: Rob. Can we have Free Scoop Night at the Cinemani's restaurant?
1: I mean— I guess, but are, are, is it just That's a misnomer? Fine. I don't want to give fine. any free scoops That's, away.
0: Rob, Rob, all I want in the spreadsheet is Zach says, "quote Can we have free scoop night?" and Rod's <laughs> response is, I guess.
1: Okay. Okay. I want
0: I want that, and then just just I want that portion of the conversation verbatim in the notes, <laughs> much like how we've had like specific reactions to yes or no. I want that. Perfect. can we have that yes no further elaboration <laughs> it's like a right to bear arms in the 10 like uh the bill of rights it's kept
1: <laughs> very very loose
0: okay okay
1: that's fine that's fine yeah i mean it's like the time when we did claws way back when i was like what do we what's next we have for claws and i was like cranberries and zach was like don't elaborate on that i don't want to <laughs> know why cranberries was why you said cranberries and i was like okay <laughs> perfect. Ben, what do you have for snacks? How many gross food items do you want to add to this list? (laughs) You
2: know, actually, as I was watching this movie, not a single food item came to mind, so... Okay,
1: I mean, that's that's fair.
0: Is that that precedent, Rob, for cinemates, actually saying the absence of a snack?
1: No, no, we i we i i think i said it or one of us definitely said or both of us said it for doctor sleep where i said i want this to have nothing to do with the restaurant um sure so that that person has come up but i was tempted (laughs) to say that for this as well i'd be like no but i i can't say i hate this movie that much that i don't want it related to the restaurant yeah
0: no i what
2: i that that was actually just a joke about how many food items are in this movie (laughs) um the I, the one thing I would add, I guess if I was gonna add anything, would be the uh beer mud wrestling and the uh the wrestling cage thing that they have. So Oh,
1: okay, so some type of like wrestling event or something like that.
2: Yeah, and like a mud skating also. Look at
1: those ears almost as big as yours. Do you really want to talk about ears? Oh, I got
0: very excited there for a second. <laughs> I found a commercial for Shrek ice cream from Baskin <laughs> Robbins. And I thought they were probably gonna explain the sludge versus spudge dilemma. And instead, <laughs> it just turns out to be Donkey's Ear Sunday. And what the joke is that it's ice cream, but it has banana it has like a banana slant like slit lengthwise. So it looks like Donkey's ears placed precariously on the ice cream.
1: Wow. I think that we should, <laughs> just just like there's the IMDB trivia effect that That very details the, uh, the, the, uh, the, they don't say ass in the Welcome to Duloc song, we should have, like, a paragraph in the IMDb trivia explaining the Sludge Fudge connection. (laughs) Once, once we We figure it out, because clearly we don't fully understand it. There's something we haven't cracked about this yet. (laughs)
2: Yeah, we're definitely missing something. Um... (laughs) I think that they use some of the same letters right?
1: oh, I, I don't think we're fully understanding how Shrek's manhood incorporates into this as well <laughs> <laughs> he
2: He sludges all over that Sunday. <laughs>
1: Ah uh, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. No, I mean so any any other snacks from you guys? That was all I had. This is I, a... I, I am I am very irate that I found
0: two recipes.com articles. Ex- like I I found dead links for them explaining how you make your own Shrek swirl ice cream. Okay. And both of them are dead links. Mm-hmm. Like I even found a get I even found a getty images like <laughs> oh god copyright image of Baskin of Vaskin Robbins giving it out as a test. And I'm just like or like a oh god a, a sample and oh god rob, i'm so frustrated right now <laughs> wait whoa, whoa 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 we have a new potential break-in apparently we have a there was also a shrek mcflurry at one
1: point how okay did it have sludge or fudge on it
0: <laughs> well I, I, rob i am looking at this in real time
1: okay okay McF-
0: okay to promote shrek the third mcflurry had been themed with green m&ms and chunks of chocolate these were these toppings were themed to promote the Shrek franchise. It was also it was available until Hot Wheels was promoted by McDonald's.
1: Okay, interesting, interesting.
0: There's another, but Rob, there's another one. There's another Shrek McFlurry. Are you guys ready? some sludge <laughs> ben, 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 are you ready?
1: I I'm as ready as I'll ever be.
0: Okay, good.
1: I need a breather it was actually. Cu- Can we take like a fifteen minute break?
0: Rob <laughs> needs a cigarette break right now. <laughs> the, the
1: because Shrek's
0: manhood. Yes. Oh, it's it driven I'm me gla- insane. I,
1: absolutely.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Shrek's manhood, Ben, because this plays into this from oh, no. McDonald's. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes, Rob. Oh, yes. Sh- it was titled Shrek's Mint Ogreload McFlurry. Ogreload. Oh, <laughs> Ogre. <laughs>
2: They did not think that through.
0: <laughs> and, and you want know the secret? You want know the secret ingredients, Rob? Sludge. <laughs> no, Rob. Ogre semen.
1: <laughs> oh my God! No, and now that you say ogre load, that's what this movie was missing, Zach. It was missing Cameron Diaz as Fiona saying to Shrek, "I swallowed your ogre load. That means something." <laughs> I I have
0: been ogre. <laughs> Can we please talk about that? Both of these films were released in the same year. Can we please talk about that for a
1: second? Yeah, seconds? yeah. Cameron
0: Diaz. Does used Ben, to know, does ben know about that? Does, does, does what, the...
1: what, what okay, Ben. This ben is what that... you need to know. This is what you need to know, Ben. When you have sex with somebody, your body makes a promise, whether you realize that or not. That's that's what we're talking about here.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: And when you swallow someone's cum, it means something. Okay. Are you, are you on board? You can't refute this. I just want to know if you understand it. This is this it's is a indi- little easier to understand than the sludge fudge thing, so I think you can grasp it. It's indisputable, right? What what movie is this from? Uh, Vanilla. It's not from a movie. With... It's not from a movie. <laughs> no, ben, like, it's a fact of life. Ben's like, what movie is this from? And Zach goes, it's not from a movie, it's one of the ten commandments. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can I please add to this uh, article? Apparently, there's a Shrek. Uh, there's a Shrek wiki because why wouldn't there course, be? It has a yeah. thousand pages. But in the comments for Shrek's Mint Ogreload McFlurry, which explicitly <laughs> states it was released in relation to Shrek Forever After in 2010, somebody commented in 2021, so just a couple months ago. Best thing about Shrek the Third.
1: Oh my God, that's crazy! <laughs>
0: I love that somebody took the time to comment. On a Shrek Wikia page about a tie-in ice cream product, <laughs> and then got the information they commented on wrong. <laughs> I love that.
1: Oh god, I, I think I'm getting ogre loaded right now in a in a very want, sexual way. I
0: I, I I want to get ogre loaded to the face.
1: <laughs> I think that's that's a very good like when you're in an intimate situation and they like talk dirty to me, be like ogre load me, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I propose another snack for sh- for uh, the Shrek episode.
1: Oh, only if it involves being ogre loaded. <laughs>
0: uh, it does. I want the Shrek character from the musical, which is even more grotesque than the anime character. God. Basically, it's it's a man in horrible prosthetic makeup, just covered in green paint, <laughs> and he basically comes out like at, at parties when the Vox Lux animatronic is like having like a, like a, it was uh, a. Oh, God, what's it called? The uh, ketamine overdose? Oh, It's called K-Trip? Sure. (laughs) Yes, and it provides an ogre load to the children. Much like, uh, what was it, a cheddar goblin? Yes. It's the same principle.
1: Oh, God. Okay, I I am glad that... I got to do a lot of fun research. We figured out why Shrek is so hot in this episode, and now we get to leave with the term "ogre" loaded.
0: <laughs> can we? Can we say that even though Shrek the film might be like cinematic, like HIV, can we say that its impact on this, like the fast food tie-in restaurants, is one for the ages? Oh, can sh- we ama-
1: absolutely. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. one for the ages, right? <laughs>
1: i'm just thinking now ben you're gonna we're gonna end this call and your your uh fiance is gonna be like how was the recording and ben's gonna be like i am ogre loaded ogre Ogrewhelmed <laughs>
0: oh god! Did you get the Tron thing again? Where you just use the word ogre? Is this, the, it this is it? Oh, this god. is
1: it. The Tron ones was fun though. Ogre makes me hurt on the inside, <laughs> <laughs> physically. Like that—that that Shrek's manhood was so big it makes me hurt on the inside. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that's an ogre simplification. Ah-ha! Oh god. Ah-ha! I think this uh, this conversation should have ended should have ended a while ago, but we're still going because we're in ogre time.
2: <laughs> uh, honestly, if you think about it, there's an ogre abundance of words that begin with over.
1: The hits keep on coming. <laughs> <laughs> I do no nothing. Nothing will match the uh, the Tron thing we did because in that like two and a half minutes of us doing the Tron thing you can tell that Zach laughs at the beginning and then quickly is like, oh, God, please make it stop. Like, you can, you can sense Zach's disdain for it after 90 seconds, and we keep going. <laughs> I
2: think what Rob's trying to say is that the podcast has been oversaturated by this
0: concept. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Zach, you have, you have to have one Zach. <laughs>
0: I don't want known that on the Shrek Wikia, there's actually an entire category page for foods in real life.
1: I mean, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? I see the
0: kid cuisine. You know what the best part is? There's the kid's cuisine, and there's numerous different kid's cuisines. There's, there was like Shrek-flavored, where it was like Shrek-shaped sh- like chicken breast nuggets, Shrek-shaped macaroni and cheese, corn, and there's also changing swamp pudding.
1: What, uh, did you, could you like swirl it and it would change colors? Is that what you mean? It
0: turns your tongue green.
1: Oh, I, I think the people who made these products
2: were a little ogre zealous.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I like that, Van. I like that, and I also man. like the fact that the pudding changes your tongue green because they put so much cadmium in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, I have to ask: What would you prefer in your macaroni and cheese? Shrek-shaped noodles or bug and slug-shaped noodles? Well, if I had to choose one ogre, the other. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Someone's gonna die! (laughs) Oh my god! Someone's genuinely gonna die! Oh
3: my god! Oh my god!
1: (laughs) It's wonderful! It's wonderful! I mean, I forgot the question. <laughs>
2: something about macaroni noodles. that's what <laughs> about sludge versus fudge right
1: <laughs> oh I'm gonna be doing that like for the whole next week of my life just saying ogre <laughs> people are gonna be like man Rob really like Shrek i would be like well, clearly it's like no actually the opposite <laughs> oh,
0: man.
1: so Zach uh, what do you think best episode we've ever done <laughs>
0: It's definitely, I think it might be a best episode when it comes to uh, snack time. Oh, like, this God. might be yeah, the, truly yeah. the uh, the Freddy Got Fingered or the uh, Gods of Egypt equivalent of that where it comes to snack tying. Other than that, I would say a par episode. <laughs>
1: <for the> <laughs> okay, well, I mean, uh, Zach could read snacks forever. I'm sure he might record and send me an addendum of him just reading the Wikipedia page. Uh, but... I guess that brings us to, well, um uh, how do we end this? I guess we should say next week uh will be the last episode of Cinemardies ever because it's the movie that will cause us to lose our minds. It is Pearl Harbor, the seventeen hour film. I guess uh, God damn it. Uh, we did mention, I do want to say, we mentioned Searching and Unfriended in this episode. That is the Patreon episode that exists this month. That is not the Adventure Time one. So everybody head over to the cinematics Patreon and check that out. Uh, get some bonus content and support the podcast. Feel free to email us, cinemotis at gmail.com, and complain to us for not liking Shrek and not worshipping at, uh, I was going to say his feet, but I think we know now we are not worshipping at Shrek's manhood. Um, so let us know why we're wrong for not doing that. And then uh, I guess other than that, I feel like it's almost we have to do as our how to end this episode. We play All Star in reverse. It has to be it, right? I mean, it, that's the only. I guess we should say it's a pretty. I don't think Smash Mouth is like a great band by any stretch of the of the any stretch of the imagination. But like, it kind of sucks that they now only exist because of Shrek, right? Like. I don't think a lot of people, if you think of Smash Mouth, would be like, oh yeah, Shrek. They seem to be like, that's the band that was invented for that movie, right?
0: <laughs> you know, and the weirdest part is that that song was invented or written for Mystery Men starring Ben Stiller. Yep. That's the strangest yep. part of it. It's that it wasn't even, like, get me wrong. That song is just, like, crass movie marketing tie-in nonsense, but not even for the right movies it's famous for.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so all star in reverse. We'll see how that goes, and maybe it'll be ten hours long, like those YouTube videos. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how much Podbean will let us upload.
2: <laughs> I figured you were just going to end the episode by saying this episode is over.
1: You did it. You did it for me, Ben. You're perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I think
0: what Ben was trying to say was, "Somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me." <laughs>
1: somebody sh- wants over the ogre ogre ogre, <laughs> ogre, <laughs> ogre, <laughs> ogre 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 over <laughs> over ogre or ogre <laughs>
0: and the ogre ogre and the ogre ogre
2: that's that's pretty good that's what it, the song
1: should have been <laughs> oh god oh god <laughs>
3: Oh, I'm I'm
0: the i I'm yeah, a yeah.
3: I should the cars, right, fine, yeah me the cars, right, fine, yeah I I should I I no one, that was, this the
0: summer, my here, not for the little, not then i are not cause they had us all with the step, never spats one, and never I hope not when I never Bish in the and they were me But they must be nice and they're so rich to and the passion Yeah, they more would like
3: this must without moss